ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate the sport for a hoops journey. I just wanted to touch base with everyone before we hop on with Mr. Dwayne Notice. Um, Dwayne's going to hop on the Zoom here, and he's going to he's going to see me with a really bad mustache, and that's a symbol of November. November is a time to not only wear a bad mustache, but to also uh, to talk about men, to talk about men's health, men's mental mental and physical health. And uh, I just want each of our male listeners to know out there that uh, the tough times you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, um, the ups and downs, although they may be different um, from man to man, they're the same in terms of we're all going through it and we're here together. So um, for those of you that have a friend that maybe you haven't touched base with in a long time or um, you haven't heard from in a while, just reach out, send them a text, um, say hello, tell them you miss them if you need to, and just realize that uh, it's okay to not be okay. Um, November is important to me. I'm 13 years in, and um, I want to be a good example for the kids that I teach, for my son, and uh, for the other men in my life, because I go through it all too, um, ups, downs, and in between. So. We got to make sure we take care of each other. Guy like Dwayne, gone through massive injuries in his life. Um, so no matter if you're a pro basketball player or whatever it is you do, um, we all go through certain times in our lives. And uh, I think it's important that we know that we're all in this together. Shout out to Movember. I'll put the link to uh, my donation page. If you feel like you got two, five, 10, whatever bucks to... Uh, Help me and my team. We've got a big goal. There's 57 of us reach, trying to reach $100,000 this year towards November. Um, and let's just continue to take care of each other. Now, let's tap in to episode 122. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to A Hoops Journey, episode 122. I cannot wait for episode 1,122 if I'm still alive, but uh, I can't believe we made it this far. We got an OG in the game. Uh, so many stories to break down that probably he doesn't even know about. Me and Tony Scott sitting on the bench uh, coaching the U15 BC team as this guy you know, beats us by about 55 plus in the final um, You know, from from you know, South Carolina to dunking on my Gators to finish off going to the final four. In fact, I was thinking today, I was like, why are we even sitting down with this guy? He's done nothing but kick my ass. But, uh, <laughs> you know, this is a guy who's, I think has got a great story. And, and I went to a couple bandits games this year. And, and, and I think the kids would say on God, no cap watching him play. And I was like, this guy doesn't seem right. And then talking with KJ, this guy was literally playing on one leg. And, and one thing Kyle Julius told me was that, this man is way too humble. So I've got some notes directly from coach that we'll get into. Um, but we are super privileged. And I think one of the more underrated Canadian ballers we've ever had in our country. We have Mr. Dwayne Notice with us today. How are you, sir? I'm great, man. I'm doing better now that I'm on this podcast. I'm, I'm really excited about this episode. So I appreciate you having me on. Of course, man. It's been a long time coming. And some you've been someone on my radar. And um I still need to see that birth certificate from U15, but whatever, <laughs> we, we can we can move on from that and uh, followed your career, followed everything um, you've been through and saw you hoop it up. And I think it's so cool how the game works. You know, I mentioned the name Tony Scott and then 
You know, yeah. he's sitting on your bench and then texting with you to get the episode organized. And like Timothy's working at our high school, training our kids. And like, he's been a big awesome. impact and working with you to get yourself back healthy. So I think, you know, hoops is a funny thing and it really connects people. And I'm sure you've experienced that you're in the podcast game now. So tell us a little bit about how things are going for you right now. And you're at your West coaster, right? You're not your West coaster for, uh, for the off season. I mean, obviously going back and forth and doing some things, but how's life for you these days? Uh, life's been excellent. It's been great. Um, the bandits have awarded me a, a great opportunity just to just come out here on the West coast and invest in myself in terms of just training, getting better, getting my body right. Um, recovering from my injury, properly rehabbing, and then, you know, being with Kyle Julius, someone I've known since I was a kid. Um, you know, I trust him with just getting me, you know, back right in terms of just sharpening my bag, as the kids say, hit the bag, and just <laughs> working on my tools and and working on all the different elements that I'm able to focus on to try and take my game to the next level so I can be most prepared for my next upcoming season. And like you said, man, just being in West Coast has been great. Just being an Ontario kid my whole life, just coming out here in the West, the air is different. I just feel like the, the traffic is different. I just feel like yeah, it's just a different <laughs> mindset, more focused out here. Um, so it's just kind of cool to, to to be out here again, obviously being out there in the summer, but not being here. I'm um, kind of knowing my way around certain places and, and certain cities. So it's all, it's awesome. And I'm assuming you're far enough to uh, to keep yourself out of the downtown core and to keep with it, right? You know, you're blocks from the LEC. You know, you got to cross the bridge to get downtown. It's too far for you. You know what I mean? You can stay on the yeah. ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I haven't really been. Down, I've been downtown a couple of times, only a handful of times, and um, yeah. But I pretty much stay outside and like near Langley and Surrey area, but close to the LEC where I can get some working. Well, let me say we missed you at Burner Boy. We missed you at the Fuji's and uh, Lauren Hill. Man, I was at both this week, and they were both. Yeah, man. Not I'm not, I love. I, I like, the Burner Boy one was really good. I'm actually envious. I missed that because it's my second time missing him. Um, that's the worst thing about basketball sometimes that, you know, you're always traveling. So you're unable to, you know, even when I was playing with the bandits this year, I think 50 cent came and I'm a huge 50 cent fan. And I feel like we had a game on the road or something like that. And I was like, ah, well, I can't, I can't miss it. How good was that? Get Richard die trying album. Come on now. Yeah. One of the greatest rap albums ever. I love that. I still listen to it to this day. I definitely, uh, have, a. <laughs> I, I actually was um, the one that was in charge of the aux cord for the locker room. People trust my musical taste. Wow, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. Garrett and I trying was definitely a couple of songs on there that we would play pregame just to get us into the right, you know, move before the game. Oh, well, we'll get into that later, but I like I like where this is trending. Yeah, I, <laughs> a big Burner Boy guy. And we had, I don't know if you've had the chance to meet Nate Mitchell, who was yeah, with yeah, the Ray A. And like, he, we had him on the show and he was like, he's first team all Burner Boy. And I, and same thing, like, he's been here twice i think and just missed them both so he was coming i'm like i'm not missing this one <laughs> so i went and he put on a show it was great and then lauren hill and the fujis were dope too so awesome. good good man i'm glad to hear you're enjoying everything you got i mean the rain hasn't really kicked in yet the weather's been not too bad no snow which is nice so it's like yeah, you no know snow. you get get to get to feel coast to coast but uh let's get into it man talk about yourself um i mean you know people that have followed your career or at least follow college basketball and further and Canadian basketball know about you, no doubt. Um, also because of the dope last name. I mean, even my wife was like, she's like, who are you interviewing tonight? I was like, Dwayne notice. She's like four eleven and a skier. She has no idea. And she's like, said something about notice. And I was like, and in my head, I was like, how many times has he probably heard some corny what? thing about notice? So I'm not saying a freaking word about that. I'm not yeah, calling yeah, yeah. you, put him on notice or nothing, but 
You know, you mentioned it, East Coast guy, like, or sorry, like a Toronto guy, you know, Ontario guy. Talk about your, yourself as a young guy growing up and, uh, you know, why basketball kind of became your thing before high school. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, like you said, I'm from Toronto, um, born in Toronto, raised for a little bit of time once Vaughn. You know, I have some great parents, Jamaican family. So I'm like the only, I'm a first generation Canadian. The rest of my family, you know, all born and raised in Jamaica. Um, but yeah, exactly, exactly. But, um, what really <laughs> gravitated me towards basketball was essentially the Raptors. I tell everybody the story, uh, the Toronto Raptors organization is, is, is the same age as me. So, you know, I was born in 94. I think the Raptors first season was 95, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it was like, it would just seem like a perfect match. Just me being able to watch, you know, guys like David Stoudemire and you know, Mighty Mouse and, um, obviously Vince Carter and Antonio Davis did a great thing. Um, when I was a kid around like six, seven, eight years old, they had this thing called Raptor Bowl, which is, uh, you know, something they had in the community, which is kind of like house league basketball. And that kind of was like my first introduction. So, you know, that's when you're a kid, you could double dribble. The nets are a little bit lower. And I don't know. I used to always look forward to that. Whenever I had school, I'd always look forward to the weekends. I knew I was going to be going to Raptor Bowl, seeing my friends, playing with, you know, people in my community and just mimicking what I saw on TV from Vince Carter. And, and I'm a big movies guy. And I, Space Jam came out in 96. So I was one of my favorite movies as well as a kid. I, I didn't know how to do much, but I knew how to, you know, uh, rewind the VCR and, <laughs> and just keep watching that movie over and over again. So it's a combination of Michael Jordan and Vince Carter is the reason why, um, you know, I got into basketball. And then from <laughs> there, I, my parents just, they try to put me in other sports. You know, a lot of kids play soccer, they play other sports. Me, I was like not having it. They try to sign me up for other sports. And I was like, no, no, basketball is all I want to do. And I've been doing it ever since. That's dope, man. Uh, you're aging me to talk of VCR, but it's true. I think <laughs> like, uh, you know, I think like unless you're in Canada, I think like obviously when when we got Kawhi and like the Raptors won it, it mm-hmm. was like a huge, like you could really feel the nation kind of really, and then, you know, you're looking at TNT and you got Chuck and these guys, they're at the games and all these people are realizing how big it is. But like, I think low key, maybe as a North American sport, they really overlook what, what Vince was able to do for us as a country. Yeah. Like that guy was, I mean, literally half man, amazing, half man, amazing, but like, you know, Kenny Smith gave him that name or whatever. I don't even know the history of it, but Vince mm-hmm. was like, and you mentioned it. I mean, look at the time you came in. I won't tell you what grade I was in when before, <laughs> but uh, I, I think like it was really crazy. And and Vince, you know, you listen to so many podcasts now and what do he play like 17, 18, 19 years, yeah, something like that. Time, like he's yeah. up there. He might even be up there with, with uh, LeBron or something, but For sure. he was so huge. Um, did you ever get to go to games? Oh yeah, I, that was you know something that was very imperative for me. My dad uh, is, and again, this is back in the day. You you probably have a similar experience. I'm not sure you know how the Vancouver Grizzlies operated, but the Raptors, especially not you know having basketball games. Yeah, it yeah. was. I remember season tickets. My dad was getting season tickets for like I don't know. I don't want to make anything up. But I just know he yeah. was telling me it was super cheap, like super cheap. So yeah. um, ever since I could talk, I was going to games when I could. Um, I have a couple pictures of my brother and I, we would be on the court, you know, and they would let the kids go shoot at halftime or shoot before the game. I was definitely that kind of guy. Um, but yeah, that, that, that was big for me. Just getting an opportunity to see Vince Carter live. I went to his charity games. He used to have charity games. where he Oh, they were the on fire yeah, too, man. Fire, oh. Doing the craziest dunks. And he's bringing like guys like Adam Iverson and Ray Allen and other guys in their prime to our city, Toronto. And you hit on it perfectly, man, because when I went to university, I know we'll talk about it later, but going to University of South Carolina, I used to have so many arguments with my teammates about 
Vince Carter being so much more than just a dunker because in America, that's all they knew him for. Oh, yeah, some mm-hmm. of the best in-game dunkers there are. And like, and no, he was a scorer. He had the fadeaways. He had the athleticism. He had the three-pointers. He had a little handle. And I really just am a, a Vince Carter advocate. And I, it's crazy. We talked about how basketball, the six degrees of separation, it's a small world. And, you know, Tony Scott and everybody, um, Timothy, et cetera. For me, I got an opportunity to actually meet Vince Carter um well sort of uh we we played a game in memphis and at the time he was playing for the memphis grizzlies and mm-hmm. um we were playing against the university of memphis and we went to that that nba game and then after the game uh our 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 like team chaplain he went to unc when vince carter went to unc and he was actually the the ball boy so he was actually cool our manager one of the two but he was like he had his number i thought it was fake i'm like no way you got vince carter's number <laughs> He texted him, I'm like, wow, he actually texted him back. And he was like, oh, yeah, tell the guys I'll meet him after the game. He was so cool, humble about it. And I was waiting around after the game. And then Frank Martin, our coach, sent a message to all of us and was like, yo, we got film at this time. And I couldn't even get to meet him. But my one of my teammates who wasn't playing at the time, he, he him and the team chap got an opportunity to meet Vince Carter. And they told them how much of a fan I was and how much I like freaked out about like just the opportunity to meet him. So he actually sent me like a personalized video, one-minute video, about like, hey, Dwayne, man, sorry you couldn't, you know, you couldn't, you know, the guys told me you're a big fan and all that stuff. And it was so cool because he was, he was mentioning like Mississauga and like, yeah, when I was in Toronto, Scarborough, and he's like talking about different cities in the GTA. And I'm like, yeah, Vince Carter was really out here. Like, this is actually mm. crazy. This is crazy to see that. So um, for me to have that video, it's a video that I always have. And I showed my mom and she literally like cried tears of joy. So it was kind of cool for me. That's dope, man. And then, and then, I mean, we've got a long time to chat here, but like, you ever think about, like walking off the court after a bandits game and some kid is like looking at you kind of like in the same way. And like, I love what the bandits have done with the community stuff. I love seeing KJ and you guys going out Mm -hmm. about and going in the concourse after games and signing autographs. It's kind of funny, right? Like, did you ever take the approach? Like that meant so much to me. And then now like after a tough loss, you're walking off and you catch eyes with some kid. Do you have that moment where you're like, okay, I got to stop. Or is it like, how does that work for someone at your level? Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head, man. That's exactly how I think about it. When I when I get into situations, and, and trust me, nobody hates losing more than me. I, I probably <laughs> hate to lose more than I love to win, to be honest. So there's definitely those situations where it's like, yeah, you know, you had a bad game or we lost, one that we shouldn't have lost, and you're walking off, and it's like you're not trying to you know, talk to anybody, see anybody, you're just in your feelings, trying to dissect what happened. And then, yeah, the little fan over there is calling your name, asking for a towel, asking for a headband, wants an autograph, telling you you played well, even though you know you didn't play well. <laughs> and it just really changes your mindset. It really changes your mood. And it really makes you have an appreciation for the fans that continue to come out. The Bandits have a great fan base. Like, they really, you know, fed us so much energy this year. But I definitely look at that. And, and one thing I like to do a lot, too, I was doing it a lot with the Bandits this year as well, is that, um, you know, pregame or when I'm shooting around warming up, I like to throw the ball to the crowd to some kids, you know, they can pass it to me as an assist and, and be a part oh, yeah. of my workout. And JJ I feel like Watt. that's just a cool thing. JJ yeah, Watt used yeah. to do that. Yeah. Exactly. So I feel like it's so, just an, an interactive thing that's really cool. So they could be a part of the workout, feel really involved. And um for me, that's just some of the things that I would have loved to, you know, have growing up if I was able to be that close to the game and and have the opportunity. So yeah, I definitely make sure I stop and sign everything I can, take as many pictures as I can and um, yeah, I love the support, man. It means the, the most. And hopefully if I can, you know, implement some type of change or motivation into a kid that wants to play basketball or do anything in life that, you know, sees us playing and committing to the sport at a high level, then I would, I'm all for it. So I love the opportunity every time that it presents itself. I love that, man. I love the whole toss in the crowd. And because you really never know, right? Like, I mean, 
you think about, I, I don't know what you're like, when I was in grade eight, nine, the kids mm-hmm. in grade 12, I was like, damn, these guys are like heroes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for yeah. like a seven, eight, nine, 10 year old to like get the ball from you, like you have no idea what that means to them, right? That's so, yeah. I, I, I agree, man. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And you're talking about your workout. So I was talking with Coach Julius. Cause uh, I said, I just oh I sent him a message and I just said, Hey, like I got, I got your guy coming on the pod. And, and he said, uh, you got to call me. Uh, he's too humble, man. We got to talk about a few <laughs> things. And I said, okay. And so he said from his mouth while well, on WhatsApp voice message, because we couldn't plan a phone call. Cause you know, life, right. Um, right. He said, bar none of all the workouts, the every single duties ever worked out. No one rep for rep has ever worked out harder than you. Wow. That says a lot because he's worked with a lot of great athletes, not even just basketball players, but in general. And that's uh, that means a lot to me. Like I said, our relationship is something I cherish forever. Um, that's a guy's back that I have until um, I'm gone, man. He's just someone that's always believed in me, even what he's doing now. Like, he doesn't have to do this. He doesn't have to work out with me and, um, you know, pick me up from the airport personally and make sure I'm set up here in Vancouver properly. And, um, you know, he, like he's such a detailed guy. When we go to workouts, I see him writing in his notebook and he he gave us a scouting report after the season. Like there's so many things that he does that it shows you he cares just beyond just, you know, the level of business. Like he just cares about us as people, as men. And yeah, just having the opportunity to have him be such a you know strong figure in my life on and off the court since I was a teenager has been, you know, just incredible for me. So even just making the decision to come and play back in the CBO so my injury, it was like I had no I had other teams asking me to play, but once I saw college leaders was the head coach and he reached out to me, it was like, I didn't even care who else was on the team. I didn't care what my role was going to be. I just knew I wanted to go to war with my guys. So it was kind of cool hearing that from him, especially because we've had a lot of crazy workouts, even up to now, like <laughs> the workouts that we've been having. Uh, I came here, I think the first week of October, which was, yeah, um, Canadian uh, Thanksgiving. And I just remember that first week I was, I had done some workouts in Toronto. I was working out with the Raptors a little bit. Um, and the nine to five as well too, but I wasn't doing anything consistent. I was still trying to just, just de- uh, digress from the season and just allow my body to rest. And I remember my first week here, I just remember like, yeah, I got to get the trash can ready. I'm about to start throwing up <laughs> for sure. Cause KJ, when I think about college, he goes hard, right, man. And he pushes you. But I think that is what everybody is essential to everybody's career, man. You need someone that's going to be in your corner. That's going to have your back, but it's also not afraid to be, a, you know, tell you what you need to hear. They're not a yes man. They're going to hold you accountable and they're going to push you. And that's something that, you know, KJ specializes. Okay. Well said. You just put it all about KJ. See, he was right. You are too humble. So is he right? Like, is it a mental thing that you go hard? Like, where does that come from? Is it being in, you know, a first generation family? Like, where does that come from? Where it's just like when the ball's in your hand, it's like an individual workout. Cause lots of dudes, yeah, you know, go 70, they'll go 80. He literally, like, you touched on it. Like, he spoke at our clinic on October 20th in front of 105 coaches. And I got so much feedback that they were like, this guy's phenomenal. This guy's seen, he's seen it all. Like, he's, yeah. I mean, I know he's never going to say it, but, like, I feel like he's a couple steps away from a first, second row bench job, right, in the NBA. I think he's right there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So the amount of guys that he's seen for him to say that, is it true? Is it a mental approach? How, t- tell us about an individual workout with, with him or just where does that come from? I think, yeah, definitely true. I try to approach my workouts just like anything else in life. I'm, if I'm going to be here, I don't want to waste my time, right? I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste his time, um, especially being in Canada. And I'm not even just speaking about Vancouver or Toronto specifically, but Canada in general. I mean, ever since the Raptors won, basketball has been 
you know, a little bit more popular and there's been more resources. But growing up, especially like getting gym time, you know, again, we have snow in winter. So like even though I had the net outside, it's like I can't do that during the winter. So whenever yeah. I was able to get a gym and be a part of, you know, a workout, I just wanted to make sure I, I, I did my best, especially like you said, growing up with the family who we didn't have it all. So my mom was, you know, working our hardest. My dad's working their hardest to pay for this training session and pay for me to be on this team. I didn't want to mess around. I understood the concept of hard work. So I just wanted to repay that. And then for me, I like to condition myself to work out in certain environments. And I, I kind of, you know, it got more intense when I was at South Carolina playing for a guy like Frank Martin, who's like every day, three hour practices, taped and brace, like no walkthrough, like even on game day, shoot around is like taped and brace. Like we're going hard. Yeah. Five on five. Like, it's it, it really catered to my mind, like to my work ethic, and I think it's just something I just like want to you know keep instilled in me forever. Because yeah, every rep is important, especially you have games where you know it's the fourth quarter, or even if we could just talk about the CBL, just Elam time where there's no more time left, and you're tired, you're playing so many minutes, and it's like you just think about how <laughs> you just think about um you know hey, what's up, the du- the rest. Dwayne. His name is Dwayne. Hi, What's up, man? What's up? How are you? I see you got the Spider-Man. That's, that's one of my favorite characters. I'm a Batman guy, but I, I like Spider-Man, too. He plays, he plays big for time. the Bandits. Remember the Bandits game we went to? Yeah, man. Remember <laughs> remember the game where you got the big bucket of popcorn and all the lights were on? Yeah, man. Oh, the can, popcorn, can you say yeah. goodnight? Goodnight. Goodnight. Night, buddy. Love you. Okay. Sleep tight, okay? I'll see you in the morning. Awesome. <laughs> he's so cute. He's he's part of the podcast sometimes, you know. Sort of love it. Close the door, Ian. <laughs> Close the door, Ian. Part of the team. That'll probably be in the episode, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's amazing. That's amazing. I have two baby sisters. They do the yeah. same thing, man. Yeah, and I record. They just be popping in every time yeah. recording. Awesome. <laughs> I love the. I love what you said about just sort of like not wasting people's time. And I feel yeah. like some sometimes, and like not trying to sound like an old head with a bad Movember mustache, but like. <laughs> Are we aware of like people that are giving up their time for others? You know what I mean? Whether it's yeah. a basketball scenario, business scenario, whatever it is. And and I think that says a lot about how you were raised. And um, I'm loving the conversation, man. Let's fast forward a little bit, sort of like you're at St. Michael's College, correct? And yep. then you, you kind of like, I'm guessing. And if I'm if I'm wrong, you just step in, but like things are going pretty well for you. So how do we take the next step? Like, why does someone in high school decide, like, I need to challenge myself and go down south? Um, also, pause, time out. Can we talk about the grade 10, the Jordan game? Yeah, man, that was an amazing experience. And yeah. the funny thing is, my mom says I have the worst memory ever, and I agree. <laughs> I think it's like selective in parts. But I, I just, it's a testament. Get mad to, at you like, for that? It sounds like she gets yeah, she mad gets, at you. She gets, yeah. she gets so upset because she'll be talking to people. She'll Stories, say stuff like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, went to New York for the Jordan brand. And I'll be like, yeah, I remember the Jordan brand. But like all the stuff she's talking about, like I don't remember these intricate details, <laughs> different vacations we've been on and different basketball experiences. But I just, you know, chalk it up to the fact that I've been very blessed and fortunate to have a great life and in, in, in the sense of just like basketball has allowed me to travel. It's introduced me to a lot of people. So when it happens in abundance, and like I said, I'm very blessed and fortunate and grateful for it. Like I tend to forget certain moments, but yeah, Jordan Brand is something I'll never ever forget because it was, you know, on the same weekend as the McDonald's All-American um, game. It was at Madison Square Garden, my first time playing there. And and I've been fortunate to play there a couple of times. Um, yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about that? 
Yeah, that was MSG. amazing. Well, like MSG your, is your grade 10. Easy, yeah. It, like, so what are it you, was 16? kind of nerve-wracking. Yeah, I'm yeah like, 15, like, come 16. on, man. Nerve-wracking. Because you walk in there, again, you, you, you're you so used to watching the Knicks play and you hear the, the, the organ, all that, all that stuff is like you hear that when you're playing and you see how, why is the crowd darker than what the court is illuminated with light? As you go there, you understand the feel of it. It kind of feels like you're on Broadway. All the lights and the eyes are on you. And then even just leaving the locker room and going into that big little hangar that you only see in movies type of elevator to, to get up to the arena. Um, and then walking the halls and just seeing the different performers that had concerts. Oh, there, the concourse you know. is unreal, man. Like it's just amazing. And yeah, it's like a museum. Yeah, it's crazy. And I had the mm-hmm. opportunity to meet Michael Jordan. So that was like one of my favorite things too, because all of us got an opportunity to meet Michael Jordan. Definitely understand why he has the reputation he has because because <laughs> the Q and A that we had was hilarious. Like I think I had I I think almost every kid got to ask him a question. I think mm-hmm. one of my I think one quick I think this is what happened. A kid before me asked a crazy question. He said, "How do you feel?" Like I, he, I basically said that Kobe Bryant's better than him. Jordan didn't like that at all. Obviously, competitive. And I think he was still upset about that question because all I did was ask him how cool was it to be in Space Jam and what was the process of making that movie. And he said There's something the like, movies right there. There's the movies, this guy. Right, yeah. at a, even at a young age. And he <laughs> said something like, it took, I forgot how long he said it took to make, but he basically said something about, like, it took a long time to make, so you better have liked it. I said, oh, well, my, my, my bad. Like, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I was like, I mean, I did like it. I was like, I, like, that was funny. But he's very intense, um, very charismatic, <laughs> but very, very intense, very intense, like, very intense. I was listening um, to all was, the, I was listening to All the Smoke today with uh, Mike Bibby. And so oh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's like, a, he's like an OG Jordan brand guy. Right. And he said, yep, yep. they said, you know, any, what were your interactions with MJ like or whatever? And I guess it was when, you know, early on, not back in then, not many guys were like a Jordan brand guy. So it's maybe like right. 10 guys. And he just went around the table and just roasted every single dude. And they were like, <laughs> and he like, did like, they talk about your game. Like, no, he just like attacked us all, just went after us. <laughs> and then he, he looked at me and said, nah, Mike, you're quiet. I can't mess with you. So he just kept moving, but like just a different dude. <laughs> I love that you. I love that you went Space Jam on them. I had to. Everybody's asking them all these basketball questions. I'm like, man, they have documentaries and movies for that. I want to know the <laughs> real stuff. That, <laughs> that like, that's facts. I, I mean, that's facts. So I, it was funny, <laughs> but it was so cool playing in that game, getting the MVP or the co MVP, one of the thing. But playing in it with guys like Kevin Pangos and Anthony Bennett, who are like great friends of mine and also Canadian legends in the basketball world. And like I said, the, the McDonald's American game was prior to our game or after our game. So it's like seeing Corey Joseph, you know, like who I consider a mentor, a big brother as well in the space mm-hmm. of basketball. And then um, seeing Kyrie Irving, like, you know, getting to see these guys play at a young age, I was just like, wow, like the opportunity was just cool to learn from these guys and practice and also just to see them play at that level. So Jordan Brown was something I'll never forget. But yeah, going to St. Mike's, I, I had to make that decision, man. First of all, I didn't even want to go to that school. My mom knows we got into a big clash about that because the school wanted me to go there because, you know, I played basketball at a high level. So they're like, okay, if you come to this school, you're going to attract other, you know, athletes and other kids of that nature. But St. Mike's is a hockey school. They had a hockey rink. I don't know how many other people have hockey rinks at on on their campus at high school, right? And, and Tim Horns went there back in the day. Like, they, they had, like, a shrine of, like, I don't even know how many. It had to be, like, 300-plus players that, are, that have been to the NHL. That went to that institution. So, so you felt was, like you fit in there for sure, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Being Canadian, I'm like, mom, I don't know why I'm going to this school. You like, how can this help me? Especially because I played on St. David's with Andrew Wiggins. And 
him and a, a couple other of my friends that I played rep ball with were going to the school called Barnes Secondary. So I was like thinking mom, my mom was about to lie on my address because I was like on a different side of Barnes. I was like, we're definitely going to that school, right? And she was like, no, we're going to St. Mike's because it has the best education. Your dentist goes there. I know a lawyer that goes there. So I understand, especially now that I'm older, I understand why she wanted me to go there, especially because I was getting the best education possible. Mm-hmm. But boy, was I miserable. I was miserable. Like I didn't talk to anybody. I was just to myself. I used to be so upset when I wanted to get some extra shots up. And then after the game, it's like they have volleyball nets up. And I'm like, Bond secondary would never have this problem. Like, it's just, you know, like I really, but I love my, my like. Did you bring that home every day? Like mom. Every day. Mom, all the animosity. Mom. And yeah. then, and then I would, I would play in tournaments, like, cause it's a private school. So I'm playing in, you know, a private. And then some of my teammates are like, you know, I had Italian teammates that didn't care about basketball. They're just like, of I'm just going to stay active. You know, I'm like, this is my life. Like, like you know, yeah. so that was the adjustment for me is um, it was just how to like learn how to work by myself. I wasn't around like-minded people in the sense of like they wanted to play basketball at a high level anymore. So mm-hmm. I had to learn how to work on my own, um, take what I've learned from other coaches and do it on my spare time. So that's, it kind of molded me and, and that adversity made me a little better. But yeah, I definitely had to start going um to prep school especially that was a time where everybody started going to prep school because back then it wasn't like mixtapes now social media you know you couldn't just you had to get that exposure unless you were andrew wiggins or teams were coming over across the border to see you play so i made that decision to finally go down south and it paid dividends for me like it definitely did a lot for my career in terms of just getting exposure before i went to 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 st thomas more in connecticut i didn't really have i had a lot of like a lot of mid-major, low, low-major offers, but it wasn't until I went to STM where I got like better opportunities for you know for college. Whatever you're doing right now, listening at work, rolling in your whip, walk, going for a walk, whatever it is, hang on for a sec. You like jerseys? You like stance socks? You like throwback? You like shoes? like anything related to basketball hit up atob ball and if you're not able to be there in store at langley event center check them out on the web and i guarantee you'll find something you like give us a mention and you'll never know shout out to our boy jeff atob ball for life Couple things. One, shadow pangos episode 100 of the hoops journey hey great, great great guy. guy. my god a good, that's a good that's a good dude right there um yeah. uh also any of those other names if they want to do the podcast they can come on but uh for sure for sure point number two i teach at st thomas more stm in burnaby bc canada hell yeah not okay, the one yeah, not in yeah, yucon yeah. not in yucon <laughs> I, was like, I was like oh wait what that's, that's sick though that's tough. so i'm out of the way it's like i was reading i'm like damn stm all right and then you said yeah. stm i was like i love that so who's yeah. helping you make that choice? Is it the family circle? Is there an AAU coach? Is there someone like how do how do you make that choice? Because we've had multiple people on this show make that decision. And I'm still always interested as to like it's a young age, man. Like you're yeah, there's a lot going on, you know, like mentally, physically, mm-hmm. but like you obviously were pretty driven. So how do you come to that decision? And knowing that in the end, looking back, it was the right choice. But there's still a lot to it as a family to decide, especially when you got mom every day, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you come to that? I mean, it was it was a lot of parts to that to that answer. I feel like because although, and again, being from a Jamaican family, a household basketball, you know, it was not the the priority. 
Um, if anything, my, my grandma probably thought I'd be a cricket player or something like that. It's not the track and field, you know, that's more of like yeah. a Jamaican way. But um, <laughs> I feel like even though my, my parents didn't know a lot about the business of basketball and the game of basketball, there was a lot of times in my life where they did step in and make a lot of great decisions. So, for example, when I was playing ref, I remember playing for the same team, St. David's. Like, we were going undefeated and winning a lot of games. My mom made the conscious decision to move me up an age group. And that's how I actually got close to Kevin Pangos. And that's why he still calls me a great eight to this day because I was always a younger player playing with these older guys. Um, you know, now, you were on the U15 for two years, right? Yeah, yeah, two years. That's that's where I got that's the right. nickname grade eight from was being a young a youngin on that team. But yeah, um, that's the year that she moved me up because she made the decision to be like, Yeah, you guys have won like two, three years in a row, and I don't think you're getting better. So I like you want to get better, challenge yourself. So although I do give her flack sometimes for not understanding like the ins and outs of what's going on in the business wise, she, um, she did up. definitely she knew us up. So basically after my third year, I was just like, you know, I think it was more so AAU coaches I played for bounce. So, you know, Tony McIntyre and Mike George and those guys were sending a lot of guys to prep school. Uh, one of my, you know, good friends, Tyler Ennis, went to St. Benedict's. Um, yeah. and that's kind of like where I was starting to be like, okay, I, I think I need to make a similar choice because if I want to get better, like I said, be around players that are going to push me, be around competition that's going to push me, be around coaches that are connected with, you know, coaches at the university level. I need to make that decision. Um, mm-hmm. So from there, we kind of started like looking around at different, you know, prep schools. And yeah, the New England preps league kind of seemed like the best fit because they had like a lot of reputable, you know, schools in that league. And my mom, like, she's big on that. I I know, like, even visiting certain <laughs> schools, she's like, yeah, you're not going here. Like, look at how, look at look at this gated, this gated. No, you can't go in here. Like, the hood's right over there. Like, oh, you're not going over here. Like, I don't like how they have this. So she was very hands on that aspect. But St. Thomas More would like provide the best fit for me. Um, and I was happy I made that decision to go there because. All I had was a gym out there. You know, I didn't have any distractions. We were in the woods, basically. Um, it was uniform, a lot of discipline. Um, but yeah, it was a great time because I, I was able to play for a coach named Jerry Quinn, um, who was a historic a historic coach. And like I said, the, the resources there were abundant. So I came from a place of, you know, wanting to get some extra shots up and there might not be the opportunity to, to like being at St. Thomas More where I could shoot at six in the morning or I could shoot at two in the morning or I could shoot whenever time of the day. So that for me and have rebounders and have people that are actually invested in me getting better. So I think that's what the biggest difference and change was for me. And yeah, I, I really locked in and, and I love doing that. And even if you wanted to leave campus, there was nothing to do, you know, let's sneak out. Of, let's, let's sneak out of the dorms and go to nowhere, you know, nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> there, was a, there was a lake, yeah. there was a lake, a church and just like, just, <laughs> buildings for housing and school that's it and literally like you said like you had to get a you had to sign up on a, a, a sign-up sheet if you wanted to leave to like go to the movies for the weekend or go out of town or like so yeah there was no leaving like you really had to try something out <laughs> mm-hmm, no doubt um okay so as that process goes along how do we how do we figure out the recruiting um you talked about kind of low mid majors and then you know kind of bigger schools come around how do you decide and was there anybody else close other than yeah, there uh, was a, yeah, there was a few. I mean, I I really wanted to go to Syracuse growing up. That was like my ideal. Why school. wouldn't you? All right, um, the Cuse is in and, the house. <laughs> exactly, it's just the the opportunity. I mean, again, growing up in Canada, basketball wasn't shown on TV a lot, so I didn't even really have a concept of like all the Power Five schools and I mean yeah, conferences fair. in every school. You know what I'm saying? Like, obviously, you know of a Duke, you know of a Kentucky, you know of a Syracuse, but you didn't know about all the other schools per se, like how now it's so knowledgeable to everybody. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I was getting recruited by certain schools. I know Marquette was somewhere I really wanted to go to too. I, I was uh, considering Marquette. Um, and, but yes, yeah, there's something about, for, first of all, Frank Martin, Mr. Kadugan. Yeah. Yeah. Julia Kadugan, my guy. Uh, he, Frank Martin came to STM and, and he did something that was different that other coaches didn't do. And that's one of the reasons why I ended up going there is one, he didn't come to any of my games throughout the season. What he did was he came to my practices. And he came unannounced. So it was one of those things where I like that he did that because basically he oh, was so this just is at STM he came. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he came in my practice and and he came, you know, usually sometimes you hear when a coach is coming and it's a whole big deal and everything. No, he yeah, came yeah. sat in the back, all chill, all cool, didn't have an entourage. So like I didn't even know he was there. And that's why I kinda like that because it was like he was trying to see my work at my work habits and my practice habits. And so you didn't know he was there at all? No, no, I didn't even know he was there. So it was just like if he wow. saw me there come early or saw me stay late or just saw how I was communicating on defense or saw how I was being coachable, like all those things, like That's are a things big that move. I guess, yeah, that he liked. Cause you know, of course, a coach comes to a game, they can see how you perform, but like you're in front of everybody. How do you perform when you're behind closed doors and you're with these, you know, there's no, there's no cameras, there's no fans? And how are you as a person? Cause he's big on being, you know, having strong people of character. So that was one of the first things that I have a big family. So he came to Toronto and, and met with both sides of my family, which is also something that a lot of coaches didn't do. Obviously they called me, they flew me out. They were maybe coming to one of my, my households, but he came to both my father and my mother's house. And like that to me was tremendous as well. So that's kind of like what really, what really turned me on to going to South Carolina. Then knowing that he was newly uh, hired there. So it was kind of, I was basically a true first recruiting class. And knowing that there was nine freshmen, I was like, there's no way I'm not playing because if it comes down to <laughs> working hard, I know I'm going to like, I'm going to die trying. So, and that's like, that's why me and him really clicked and we're so close, close and cool to this day is because he sat at my dinner table and he didn't promise my mom the things that other coaches promised my mom. Like, I know I was supposed to go to Duquesne too in the A-10, which is a really good school, St. Bonaventure. Um, I was looking at them, but Frank didn't say I'm going to get you to the NBA. If you stick with me, you're going to be a first rounder. If you come here, you're going to play 30 minutes a game. Like he never has said any of that. He never said I was going to start. He said, if you work hard, good things will happen. And that's all I wanted was the opportunity to line up beside the next man and work hard. <laughs> Sorry. I came from a situation where like politics, politics and basketball is starting to, you know, come become present in my life. You know, like, as a kid, you just play for fun. But then as you get a little bit older and the business creeps in, politics start to become a part of it. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to go somewhere where there was no politics, where it wasn't like, we're going to play this guy because he's a McDonald's All-American. We're going to play this guy over you because he has seniority. Or we're going to play this guy because he's from here. Or because I like him better because he's the coach's son. Like, I just wanted to go somewhere where it's like, no, we're going to play this guy because he deserves to play. And South Carolina was that fit for me. Um, and that's that's one of the reasons why I ended up, you know, committing to go there. Obviously, too, it was hot and there was no snow and, and, and no winters. So <laughs> that, that was like the cherry on top for me, for sure. <laughs> Now, um, is that also why, like, down the road when the talk talk of, like, hey, you're going to be sixth man becomes easier because there's already a trust and you know that, like, there's good intentions here. And although it's a shot to the ego and, like, okay, I got to readjust my role, maybe that makes that a little bit easier for you? Yeah, you're right, man. Aaron, that's exactly what it was. He came to me. And, and one thing I appreciate about him is we had open communication. So whether it's text messages, phone calls, or he kept his office door open on a regular basis. Um, we used to go to his house as a team, like his wife would cook food and um, they would make food for us. We'd watch football games there. We'd just talk and chill as a family, as a team. So just having that relationship with him growing over the years, 
Um, it was tremendous. So by the time it was my junior year, like you said, he came to me with that decision. Like, I just want to do whatever was best for the team. Because I had that trust in him that that whatever he decided, it would benefit not only the team, but also myself. And it did. I didn't have no goals of being a six-man. I didn't think that was going to happen. He just mm-hmm. really prefaced it like, listen, man, we got P.J. Dozier coming in, man. We need him to start the one. I got these two. I got these three seniors um, that, you know, I, I, I want to give him the opportunity to, you know, start. And then Sundari Stormwell, who ended up playing in the NBA, um, he was going to be our two. So that kind of was where, how it shaked up. But the way he, you know, positioned it to me was like, all right, you're going to come the bench. You're still playing starter minutes. You're still going to finish the game because we could trust in you and your defense. You're still going to be leading the second unit for a little bit before they come back on. So all the stuff that he said, I was just like, I just, you know, considered another step in my journey. And I was like, whatever happens, happens. And it ended up being beneficial to me. Like you said, just went to SEC six man of the year where, which was kind of cool. I didn't see it coming, but um, mm-hmm. again, it was just kind of a testament to his belief in me and my game and, and how I was able to still thrive um, in whatever situation he put me in. And that's something that I like to carry to this day. Even with the bandits, like I started some games, didn't, didn't start other games. And that's never a tough conversation for me with a coach. Like, you know, Kyle could come to me, um, any coach could come to me and be like, listen, this is what we think is best for the team. And I, I try to be as coachable as possible because I feel like you never know who's watching. You never know who's looking. You never know when your opportunity can come. And, um, you know, I've been on all sides of the pendulum when it comes to basketball. I played for Team Canada. And on Team Canada, there's been times where I've played a lot and started a lot. And there's been times where I'm on the senior team. And it's like, yeah, we have SGA, bro. You're not, <laughs> like, we have Shane Gillis Alexander. Like, we have, we have some real dudes right here. So, you know, we just need you to just, you know, hold it down on the bench. And, you know, when you talked about ego, of course, when you're younger, it kind of affects you a little bit. But once you're mm-hmm. able to kind of, like, take yourself out of your own mind, and see, you know, the greater good in situations, then, you know, you understand that, you know, it's still a good opportunity regardless. Like, I'm blessed to even have a scholarship and be at South Carolina anyway. So, like, why would I be tripping about if I'm not starting or not? Like, I'm still playing. I'm still getting an opportunity that I feel like I deserve. So that was kind of an easy transition for me because we had that trust and relationship just from the conversations that we had when you recruited me. Church on a Thursday, man. Let's go. Let's, <laughs> come on. Let's go. Talk to him. Talk to him. That's big stuff right there. I mean, I don't know. Not There's not a lot of people that have been to your level and then to have that ability to just sort of take what you just said. It's huge, man. And then, you know, I think of the clip of like the O board off the free throw and then you just whap that three for the win this year. It's like, stay ready, man. Your moment's coming, yeah. you know? And Exactly. Yeah. And I think, and I think like, I don't know, being an old head and coaching high school still and stuff, trying to instill in the kids like the value of just being part of a team and like having a role. And that like, you know what, even at our, you know, dinky little STM high school, we cut like 12 Mm -hmm. kids so you could be here. Like you're one of our 14. Like we cut a whole bunch of kids to be here. You have a jersey. You matter. So like you may not see the minutes or whatever. and, And having what I think you're you know, I'd like to get into a little bit about you and coach Martin, just sort of that open relationship of like, listen, you still matter. And, you know, here's what you need to work on and just stay ready. And I think those are so many important things that you're just touching on. And um, from the outside perspective, you know, you see coach Martin, I, I personally, I love him. I think he's amazing. Yeah. From what I've seen, I mean, I'm, I'm just an outsider. I'm an outlier. I'm just watching, reading, you know, I'm only hearing what media wants to portray. Um, yep. But, you know, for you and your own personal relationship, I'm also guessing there's been a few times you probably got cussed out pretty bad, but also like, yeah. but I mean, you know, talk about that guy and what it was like. I mean, I think he's an OG in the, in the uh, division one game for sure. Yeah. I definitely got a lot of 
concerned message. <laughs> I'm sorry, concerned messages and phone calls from people when I committed to South Carolina. Because you're like, bro, are you sure? Like, do you know what you're getting into? This guy is from the Bob Huggins tree. He, like, have you seen these clips of him at K-State? Like, just yelling at yeah. players and cussing them out. And, but, man, when you when he's in your, your dining room, um, he's sitting in your living room with you and your family, you see, you know, the real character of him. And he's such a lovable guy. He's fun. He's funny. Um, he's witty. He has a sense of humor. He's smart. He's been through a lot just being from the city of Miami. Having the upbringing he's had, he's had, he's really big on family. So when you just start seeing all the other starts, sorry, the other stuff that um, complete a person outside of like what he brings to the game of basketball, it was kind of like a no brainer. But yeah, I definitely got cussed out a lot. And what the media doesn't show is that as equally as he was getting on us and holding us accountable is ten times more as he was our biggest fan. Like in practice, like when we did the right things, he would commend us. When we in film room, we did the right things, he would applaud it. Like. On the court, he would instill so much confidence in us that, again, obviously, as the world works, you know, everyone loves, like, controversy. So they're going to mm-hmm. stick to whatever he says if he's cussing us out. And it's crazy because I remember my – I think it was my freshman year. He actually got suspended because he cussed me out. Um, we were playing the Florida Gators. And long story short, um, he had this rule of, like, you can't inbound the ball. This is when they had Billy Donovan as their head coach, and they were trapping everywhere. Yeah, go get yeah. You know, no, not go get it. Sorry, edit that part. I'll check it up. And he was he was like, we had this rule of like you can't inbound the ball to the corner because that's where traps. You know, that's where you're most likely to get trapped, especially in a full court trap. And it was like they had just scored, and I had no one to get the ball to. And I threw it to Sedaris in the corner. He got trapped. They stole it. They scored. It was like a media timeout. Frank met me at half court. Like, he met me at the Gamecock symbol. Like, I didn't even get to the bench. <laughs> he was just, just cussing me out. Like, why would you? I told you, how many times did we? And he's just, like, going crazy and kind of mother-effing me. And it's crazy because usually when he would cuss us out or, like, talk to us in timeouts, we'd be in a tight-knit huddle or he put his hand over his, his, his um, mouth. But I guess he just lost it. And, and this was an ESPN <laughs> game, which was rare for us in the beginning stages of me at yeah, South Carolina. No doubt. I think we forgot that. And they just kind of, you know, zoomed in on that. And they just always, the lip readers around the world just saw what he said. And um, from there, he ended up getting suspended for a game. And we all had to, like, talk to the, uh, the headmaster and um, everybody about his position with the team. And everybody kind of said the same thing where it's like, nah, he coaches us hard, but we love him. Like, we don't want him fired. Like, that's a great guy. So we had his back and I was kind of like love one it. of the forefront, the forefront of that. So I'll never forget because I was going into the SEC tournament. And after that, he like, we had a great moment. He apologized to my family. He spoke to me and he was like, the way you have my back, like I'll never, I'm forever indebted to you. So from there, we've always been rocking together. Like obviously since then, like there were still moments where he would let me know about myself. But again, like I want to be coached hard. Like I don't want to ever be a player that feels like I have everything figured out. Because once you start feeling complacent, that's when, you know, you stop the growth. And I don't want to ever stop my growth. I always want to get better. Like, I just turned 29 years old, but I'm still getting better. You know what I'm saying? Like, Kyle's still teaching me things to this day. I still am learning stuff from other players, other coaches. Um, And that's just my perspective on the game of basketball and life. So, Frank Martin, I just try to listen to the message and not the tone. Um, And then also it helps having a Jamaican family and being cussed out from my mom and my grandma growing up. So, I... (laughs) <laughs> I haven't heard nothing. I haven't heard nothing. That's too crazy. I didn't hear at home. So, but again, when I it was cool because, again, I talked about having nine freshmen. Only three of us lasted. I've I've seen so many dudes come Damn. and go. Yeah, from every year my four years of South Carolina because they weren't able to take it. They weren't able to be coachable. They weren't able to handle certain stuff. And 
for me, I just like that during my junior and senior year, Frank Martin literally gave me the keys to the franchise in the sense where he backed off me and was like, you made it through two years of basically my mental mind games and gymnastics. And you've proven to me that you're able to handle any situation. So during my last two years there, he wasn't on me like that. It was, it was the opposite. And he gave me way mm-hmm. more freedom. And if I did mess up, it was like, he knows better. So it wasn't like he would uh, cuss me out anymore. So I kind of like that um, relationship and the progression of it. And again, that's things that people don't talk about. I think that he just cusses us out all four years. Like, no, like as a freshman, you got to be held accountable. And that's what it is. But when you're a senior, you know, by then you're doing the right things all the time, most of the time. So you're not going to be getting that kind of, you know, treatment from your, from your coach. Eesh, man. Yeah. Let's go. This guy's <laughs> spitting it. No, you sound like you may have not even seen this clip yet. The, uh, the Alabama quarterback. You see that? Oh, really? No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh yeah. Check it out he this. literally like you are like, like parallel. He's talking about coming off the field and what's his name? Right. Like coach from Alabama. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah. Oh, he looks pissed. And then he's like, Oh, he's pissed at me. And then just starts ripping him. And then basically is like, listen, man, uh, I want to be coached hard. You have to be accountable. Like you just, dude, I can't believe you haven't seen that clip. That's amazing. I love it. Um, I have to watch it. Yeah. yeah it's good. Good reflection. And I, and I think you're right. I think sometimes <laughs> and in just life in general and, you know, you being podcast guy and kind of talking about social things and stuff. It's like we're in a world where it's like people are just quick to point, right? They don't really know yeah. the heart of the matter and they don't even care to get exactly. to the heart of the matter because it's exactly. a quick click for someone, right? Like it's like Andrew Wiggins is like a inclusive guy. It's like, cool. He doesn't like media. Like that's cool. Yeah. He's a low key yeah. guy. Get off right. of him. You know, like right. who cares, right? right. Um, but so good. Okay. So talk to me about and uh, Kyle sent me the clip. I was looking at it today. I see you breaking out like four times against Florida, dog. You're waiting for that dunk. You predicted oh, that. Way. Like, oh, you, way. Hey, you are in like, you are in like, <laughs> if I'm looking at the game, you're on this side. So it's like the right, you're right. And like, you're like, oh, my guy's got that rebound. And you're like, ready to go. And then yeah. you're ready to go. And then finally you got it. Talk about that, man. Stamping your way to the final four. How'd that feel? Um, it felt amazing, especially because the year prior to that, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure we won like a record amount of games for the men's Gamecock teams. I think we won 25 or 26, something like that. I was like in the high 20s. So we were like, oh, we're going to the tournament for sure. And then Selection Sunday came around. We had a party and everything, T-shirts made, and our, we weren't chosen. And it was like, yeah, your comp- – your, uh, what they say? I forgot what the committee always says. Your, your strength and schedule wasn't as strong or whatever. It was just it, like, bro, we just sent it – we set the, we set we set a precedented amount of wins for the institution, and what are you talking about right now? And that kind of and how like did that feel? Were those things sort of oh. cut you off? Like were those things yeah. that were talked about? Like taking the Gamecocks from kind of just to like in the spotlight, or was it just like business focus? These are our team mantras. Like, did you feel that? Did you feel the energy? Like, you know, you must in a four year span, yeah. you're probably going from eh, maybe a thousand to yeah. Yeah. House, right? We, you probably felt we that. We went from uh, freshman year, everybody could hear what Frank was telling us in the huddles. <laughs> like, the boosters are like, oh, wow. This is, this is, hands are like, this is crazy. So, yeah, it's a junior and senior year where you can't hear what he's saying. Like, But, yeah, if you were in the crowd those early days, it was definitely embarrassing for us because he's cussing us out in an empty arena. But um, I don't think that Frank or the coaching staff ever put that pressure on us. I think mm. internally we did because as a freshman, and again, I keep talking about it, but alluding to it, but being from Canada, even football, 
And by football, I don't mean soccer. I mean like American football. That wasn't something I grew up on in a sense. Like they, you know, we had the CFL, but they would show the NFL, um, you know, for Super Bowl. But it wasn't like they were showing like how nowadays they're showing the NFL like every Sunday yeah. and every Monday and every, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I didn't have that knowledge either. So going to school, I didn't even know I was going to like a football school and like seeing like, you know, the amount of fans that would be at the williams Bryce stadiums and seeing how, you know, teachers would treat the football games like religion. It's like, yo, you guys are off no assignment this weekend because the Gamecocks are playing. Like, we got to worry about that and seeing how hard people went for football. It was like, you start to notice that. Like, I would go to football games my freshman year and be like, damn, they got all the fans. They don't got nobody. And, yeah, I tried to talk to a girl. It was like, you play for the basketball team? Yeah, nah, we, we're good. Like, like you guys <laughs> like, So I think internally for us, it was like, yeah, we got to try and bring this program. And I think prior to us, there were some good years, you know, in the 80s and, and I think a few in the 90s. And I think like in 04, they had went to the tournament or something like that. Um, but they never was really considered like a basketball powerhouse dominant school. Um, and I think so we had those goals internally as players that like, we want to bring it to, but yeah, so fast forward to our junior year, it, it hurt like hell, like not making, cause again, we had a party, like you have to imagine like how embarrassing that is. Oh like, my had, God. Yeah. You know, t-shirts made, we're going yeah. to the tournament and it's like our name and we're there and Frank's there. Like he's talking to different people, like on his cell phone, getting feedback. And then finally he broke into us and told us. And we ended up going to the NIT, but I just remember like after we lost the NIT, I think our second or third game, I was just like, yeah, I, I remember Sundarius had an opportunity to go to the NBA. PJ Dozier had an opportunity. And it was like, bro, like, I'm not trying to tell y'all what to do, but if y'all stay, come on, we got to do this the right way. Like, we got to, like, I have a goal of making the tournament. Like, not a lot of Canadians have done it, so it was like a pride factor for me to try and make March Madness compete and then go to a high level. You guys haven't done it. Like, why not? So when we ran it back, yeah, there was the emphasis the next year. Frank made sure to schedule the hardest games possible. We were playing in non-conference Syracuse, Michigan, like different schools like that. Mm -hmm. um, and we had a real chip on our shoulder. We had a real chip on our shoulder because we felt like we were undervalued and we were overlooked. And I think that was some of the things that helped us propel to, you know, making the tournament that year. And then us having that Cinderella run, like they say Cinderella run, but it was something that, you know, it wasn't in the realm of impossibility for us to make it to the final four at all. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a, this is not a video podcast. My man just put up the quotations for Cinderella. So that tells you where his mentals were at. <laughs> uh, and I love it though. And, but you guys did it too. Like, I mean, you did it chip on the shoulder. Let's do it. Like seeing it. And it's one thing to talk it. It's one thing to say, oh, yeah, we got this. But to actually follow through and get it done, I mean, what was that? And then, I mean, the tough loss to the, you know, the Zags losing by four. But, I mean, to make it to the Final Four. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How it good was, was that? Oh, wait. I and what, even, and, my bad. I didn't even answer your dumb uh, question. I, the reason why I was leaking out was because <laughs> I think. So my first okay, year. I sidetracked you. It's what I do. Yeah, it's, my, it's my ADHD, <laughs> man. <laughs> I think my freshman year, I had like a couple, like a one or two in-game dunks. I think my sophomore year, I had like a couple. But I think my junior year, I didn't really dunk like that. You know, I was really, definitely became like a sniper from the outside, which is actually ironic because in high school, I was more athletic. and I, was say, I think you like had a, like five in the U15 final, but that's I'm about okay. to say, like when I was playing back then with the provincials, I could not shoot for nothing. I was, <laughs> I was driving to the basket. <laughs> So it's just crazy how my career has turned out. But that's just a testament to all you kids out there, man. Keep working because I never thought I'd be a shooter. Um, but now here I am. That's not there. That's all they're defining me as. But um, I, I had teammates that would just mess with me, man. Because warm-ups, you know, warm-ups, you, you dunk every now and then. And in practice, like, you know, I had teammates that were, especially Chris Silva. He had, oh, my gosh, he was dunking everything. So 
I don't know. I just they just teased me about like I just feel done no more. I just felt like, and then it's like, yeah, you can you can dunk in practice. Who cares? Like dunking in a game is what's more important. So I was like, just like imagine if I dunked in March Madness, like, and I didn't really have opportunities against Duke or Marquette. Baylor didn't really have opportunities, especially because they played zone and stuff. But yeah, Florida was like, and it was the end, end of the game. I was like, man, this is like a storybook kind of finish. If you I see could the pull bench? this off, yeah, the bench was going crazy. Madison Square Garden. My Oof. mom was there. I was just feeling good, man. And, and I let out a scream. And, and yeah, it was just like one of those things where after the game, I was like, yeah, you said I could have dug him. Me and my teammates are talking trash. So that was the real motivation to me leaking out. And I know Kyle probably just want to hear this, but I was like the worst. I am like, as much as of a good defender I can take credit for, I was, I am a horrible rebounding guard. And I, so I used to like leak out sometimes because I would, I would never go back in the paint to help out the bigs rebound. So I would like, you know, contest and then box out my man. I'm like, well, my man's not getting it. I'm good. I'm gone. Um, so I used to, I used to be infamous for leaking out a little bit. So when PJ saw me up the court do it, I was like, man, I could give it to Cenarius and he could dunk it, but everybody's seen that. How about let's see if I can try and dunk. And I'm just happy I made it, man. Cause if, we're talking all this stuff about Frank Martin, but I could only imagine if I missed it in that part of the game because we were up, but I mean, there was still some time left. I mean, I don't know. So if I miss, I could just imagine how, how mad Frank was. And coaches are crazy too. They always find an angle. You missed that dunk. And we, we're up four, you know, like they could have yeah, come yeah, down and yeah, hit a yeah. three, you know, like, yeah. Right, they, they may right. Create some scenario in their head that'll never exist, right? Exactly. Um, talk Before we talk about after, you know, college, talk about just like what it's like each round when you go back to campus and just the chaos and the amount of gear oh, that shows up and the amount of hype, like it's wild, right? It was insane. I mean, outside of the Toronto Raptors parade, which I was lucky to be a part of, I don't think I ever had anything bigger than that because you have to think the women's basketball team also is competing in March Madness yeah. at the same time as the men's and our women's team has historically, especially since the, the years of Don Staley have always been, you know, top dog, if not, um, uh, if not UConn or um, Notre Dame, so mm-hmm. our women's team was always doing well, always going to the tournament every year. So they, it was cool because it was like we win the first two games or the first two rounds, then we come back to campus and they and they won the first two rounds. So we ended up ended up being a thing where we were both in the Sweet Sixteen. Um, so like, yeah, the campus we had parades. Um, I remember just flying back to campus, driving back and just seeing, you know, the sea of people just outside of our arena and then having the headmaster, the dean of our school and everybody just, we're talking on microphones. I'm like, this is crazy. This is the kind of stuff you see with the Lakers for the championship. And like Kobe and Shaq are talking on a microphone. I'm like, who are we? Like, we didn't even finish the task yet. And we're over here, like, making history. And it was cool. I remember um, one of my teammates, I think Justin Mack or somebody even started a chant telling the the – the, the dean like yo no school for the rest of the tournament like no classes and it was like a whole chat it was like thousands of people chatting that so that was like funny as well and he was like if they win if they win if they win so that was just a crazy um experience as well because you're walking around you know i went like i just talked about my first two years walking around campus and nobody really know like I was especially me say. i have a football body so everyone's thinking yeah. i'm on the football team it's like you play for the football because you know they wear helmets so you don't really know Sure. You play for the football team? I'm like, no, nah, I play basketball. Like, oh, okay. And it's like my last two years where it's like, oh, they know me, they're recognizing me in class, they're recognizing me around campus, walking around at the cafeteria, wherever you have you. So it was just like to see that leap and to see the belief that people had in us and um, to carry over the Final Four where we were playing in like a football stadium, which was nuts, to see all the fans that traveled, to play against the Zags, and I wanted to beat them so bad so I could talk trash to Kevin Pangos. Um, 
But just to be a part of that atmosphere, have my family out there, my friends. Um, and then even when we lost, like at our hotel, because the final four, what they do is each team has their own hotel. They dress up the hotel. So like just have my grandma come to the hotel and see a big, like, you know, 50 foot cutout of just me there was just cool because it's like, okay, he's actually doing something with his life. <laughs> like it's cool. Like this <laughs> basketball actually means something to people. Like that was also cool. Um and then, like I said, when we lost, like the amount of fans that were there and like people that were crying, like I had, you know, there were some elders that were crying and it was like, like I went to South Carolina at 19, whatever, whatever. And it's just like, if my dad was alive to see you guys go to the tournament and, 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 and just being a basketball player from Canada and not understanding the magnified like feeling of just making the tournament and what it mm-hmm. means to people, that was just crazy because... Even when I won, it felt so surreal. It didn't mean anything. But now that I'm still able to talk about it, and like I said, just changing other people's lives and, you know, having teachers like, don't worry about your final exam. Just worry about how to win. Like, just all that type of stuff was just cool to have that, like, tremendous support. And it's something I'll never, ever forget. Like, returning to campus and feeling like you're on top of the world. Um, it's something I'll never, I'll never forget and I'll cherish forever. It's funny, man, because you still, you look up, like, SE, like, on Wikipedia, there's still, like, it gives you the tears of, like, you know, tournament appearances, Sweet 16, Elite Eight, Final Four, there's still just one. And you know what I mean? One, yeah. It's pretty dope, yeah. man. It's pretty dope. Yeah. Um, last question that something that made me thought that I've never asked anyone before on the Final Four in those stadiums. Is the noise louder or does it just carry you further? Like if you're, you know, because he played in a lot of different stadiums. So what's the difference yeah. like in that? And and talk about like just sort of the angles and everything, does it actually affect people? I mean, I, I can only imagine what yeah. it'd be like. So it definitely is louder, hard to hear coach, but that's why, like, it's kind of cool. You, you As a senior, you're on the same page. So now instead of always having to look to the bench to see what he wants to call, he has that trust in us to kind of make the reads for the defense and to, to, to call the offense in place. Or, like, the noise was an issue for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But we had we had a lot of stuff that helped prepare us for that. Like I remember playing against Vanderbilt, and their university is kind of weird, where they have baseline their benches exactly. Their bench is on the baseline, so and weird, it's, and it's like below the court. So like the final four was That's the same a- way too, where it's like you're getting subbed in, you gotta like parkour onto the court so you can get to the <laughs> get to the scores table. But yeah, playing against Vanderbilt, Eli loves parkour by the way. Eli loves oh, parkour. Yeah, parkour, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's his jam. Spider-Man, yeah. 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 <laughs> but um having like like the 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 bench being behind you, I never forget playing at Vanderbilt and it's like, yeah, I'm trying to look behind me to see what Frank is trying to call. Like those type of stuff help condition us to big environments like that, playing against the Gators, especially in the old arena, um in, in Gainesville where it gets super loud and they can put their hands where you're inbounding it and it's like you can't even and mm-hmm. I'll never forget too a funny story that I was a freshman and playing at Florida against the gate, everybody turned the ball over like seven or eight times, like in that trap. Like it was just, uh, I was struggling. I had never seen a one through one before in my life. Like it was just like that zone defense and they're trapping me. And I like, I'm thinking like Frank gonna take me out. We had a timeout and he's like, I'm gonna leave you in the game so you can set the most turnovers for, for the SEC. And like, so I'm just like, wow, like this is crazy. <laughs> so having um that situation and being a part of that, like, you know, being a part of crowds like that, it kind of prepared us for those moments. But yeah, nothing could compare it to the Final Four because we were playing in a football stadium. So it's not the same. It's, crazy. it's way more fans. And then like you talked about, the depth perception was crazy. Like, because there's so many fans behind the basket. So when I'm shooting a three at the top of the key, 
it's like you can see through the bat board, you just see a wave of people and it's just not the same. It's just not the mm-hmm. same as a regular arena. So you have to kind of adjust your eye, your eyesight, your eye lighting. Um, and then, yeah, just being on that court is elevated. So you got to be careful when you're diving or doing certain things. And, and, and then on top of that, March Madness is like a show. It's a production, right? So there's a lot of stuff that was different. Like I, I just saw a clip about um, some of the NBA guys talking about how the NBA All-Star game has kind of became more entertainment. And the reason why they can't put on such a great game is because these elongated halftime shows and before they have before the game, they have these long intros and they can't go through their routine properly. That's kind of what it felt like for us because mm. our shooter our shoot arounds weren't real shoot arounds. It was like media day. It was like open to the media. So there, Frank, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So Frank is not going to have like a hard three hour. First of all, they only give you like an hour at a time. So we can't even cover everything we want to cover. Then, like you said, the fans are everywhere. So it's like you don't want to show people too much. So now we're just like kind of BSing and just doing like drills and just shooting. So you're not even into like the real routine of like what you really, really do our game day. And then on top of that, March Madness, sometimes it might be a team that's played before you or after you. So it's like, you know, you might not get the same warm up time that you're accustomed to. So like all those things were like different factors that we had to really like kind of, you know, you know, play into. But yeah, the crowd was intense and, um, I, I would say for sure, like the depth perception, shooting corner threes was kind of weird. Like it was just kind of weird, but you get used to it. You get you get used to it. Mm. So he went that hard for shooters, huh? Like I, I played for I played I played at Langare for Kevin Hans, who's the UBC coach right now. And our shooters, mm-hmm. like you know, Saturday morning was like super chill, like don't even tie the laces, right? And then I played right. at Brand, I played at Brandon for uh, Jerry Hemmings, and like, I'd be like, you go to and we would play back to back Friday Saturday. Yeah, and shooter would be like practice. I'm like, come on, coach. What are we trying to do yep. here, man? I'm fifth year. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> he's full on, man. Like, Frank yeah. was the same. Like, just tape it up. Like, Frank was the same, yeah. man. If you and yeah. he had this one rule too in practice. If in practice, when a shooter on, if you twisted your ankle and you weren't taking brace, you would have to play. Like, he's gonna make you play until you can't walk. Like, if you <laughs> spray, because he's like he wants you to protect yourself, and you want to be too cool and not wear a brace or not get taped, then that's on you. Um, but yeah, he was intense. Like. And I liked it because I feel like, especially as a professional basketball player, now I see this a lot. Mm. It's like a lot of teammates that I play with or guys that I play against or teams that, you know, who are historically better or whatever. It's like a lot of guys, you see them trying to turn it on and flip the switch. And mm. of course, like, you know, maybe a Kevin Durant could do that or guys that are elite of the elite. But everybody else, you got to make sure you, you know, you bring in the same intensity that you're normally bringing into. So I thought I kind of like the, the mindset of practicing hard because then, you know, that whole cliche saying of you practice hard so the games are easy. Like that was true. Like, like when I was playing in certain games, I was like, this is nothing compared to like what we had to do in practice. Cause on top of the conditioning and running the stadiums, then doing the drill over again and like all this stuff, like mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I can, now I can guard a player full court. And I'm regarding certain players full court for the whole game. They're like, bro, you don't get tired. Like you don't like, are you like what's wrong with you? I'm like, bro, you don't understand like how like this is easy. Like this is actually a walk in the park for me because like we practice way harder than that. So mm-hmm. I liked it, and it's something that I've I've become accustomed to, and I've actually been struggling with just how basketball is how it's, it's changed. And and it's just I feel like what you said is true because once you get older, you figure out certain ways to be more efficient. So for example, we have a guy named Core on our team that played this past summer, and Core is someone that like he's going 100 miles per hour, 24 seven. And I'm like, yo, your effort is crazy. I love it. But like you're burning out because you don't need to switch three, four, five times in one play, close <laughs> out here, 
then do, you know what I'm saying? So like I had to kind of show him like, you got to use your energy in different ways and be more efficient with your effort because you want to, you know, play a little bit longer periods at a time instead of going all out hard for every little thing, you know? So like, it's not cutting corners, but it's just being smarter and working smarter. And I think that that's what I've been learning too, as well as being a pro, but it's, it's been weird. Cause when I play in the G league, it's like, you don't practice like load management's a real thing. So it's like coming from mm. Frank Martin, where it's like, I don't care if you're the starter, you average the most points, you're going to practice. There's no, like I'm pulling the vet card. There's no, I'm too good to <laughs> practice today. Or like, I'm sore. If you're sore and hurt, get treatment, but you're going to practice. Um, and, and then to playing at pros where it's like, yeah, where it's like, yeah, you know, walk through is walk through. You can have your shoes untied. You can wear a hoodie. You can wear pants. Like we're just here to walk through what the other team is going to do, walk through our sets. And then if you want to get sa- shots up, you can like, it's just, it's been weird. Cause I've been like, I'm like an old school, like guy when it comes to mentality of working out and training. Whereas now I feel like there's so much load management. There's so much like, we're going to take it easy. And then. And so that's like the difference that I've kind of been struggling with with being a pro is like how to like be a little bit more efficient when it comes to practice and stuff. And you want to be healthy and everything. But yeah, Frank was was the type of guy that we're going hard regardless. Like, we're, like again, we're not wasting our time. Like, we're not going to be here just to BS. We're going to be here to get better. It's going to be here for a purpose. If you're a basketball player out there in the lower mainland or uh, BC in general and you're looking for somewhere to play, we have a proud sponsor and that is PGC Hoops. You can find them at pgchoops.ca and the thing that makes them unique and that we're proud to sponsor them and then be a sponsor of us is it's a true non-profit basketball organization found in the east side of Vancouver. The mission is cost-effective elite basketball for all. Find the website, take a look, register your kids, register yourself, look for the programs. And if you have any questions, reach out to me and we can contact you with the right people. This is a good program for the right reasons. We appreciate you, PGC Basketball. So are you the guy who's like, getting shots up and doing some training. Like I, I came down after a couple of bandits games at this year. And like, I see the guys with like the water, you yeah. know, things you guys are doing, you know, you're doing the squats and like you're doing activation and stuff. Like you're right in there, but like, are you getting your J's up and trying to continue like what's worked for you to that point? And I like, I think you make a good point about like, it's okay to work hard, but yeah, pick your spots too, right? Like, you know, yeah, be efficient yeah. when you need to. We don't need you to do like nine closeouts and different. Yeah, like that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, that would go a long way. Yeah, for me, I am I mean, I figured I figured this out at a young age too. I think only this happened once, but I think one summer I didn't touch a ball for a long time because I had like did some summer camp. It's like when I was really young. I had to be like the fifth or sixth grade. I remember coming back and I felt way fresh. I felt sharp, which is kind of weird to me. But historically, as a player, I've always been the kind of guy that's like, I have routines. I'm really big on my routines, my programs. So, yeah, like I'm the kind of guy that I'm shooting before shoot around and after shoot around. Because it, realistically, this is why I try to break down the kids that I talk to too, as well as like when you're at a, a basketball practice, you're not getting hundreds of shots individually because yeah. you got to share the ball with 12 other players, 15 other players. Even if you're doing shooting drills, you're still doing, you know, you're getting one rep per how many, whatever. So how how much are you getting better? You're really just maintaining. You're really just, you know. So mm-hmm. that's why I like to always 
Um, even if I play high minutes, I still try to like shoot after games or shoot after practice because, you know, I could, I could change the workload a little bit and just maybe, and that's, that's the thing that Kyle is really good at too, is like, okay, we worked hard yesterday. So today we're going to do a lot of touches and finishes and technique stuff that is not going to be hard pounding on your knees, but it's going to be a lot of like skilled work that's going to be, you know, helpful to you in the future. So yeah, I have a routine. I'm my type of guy that goes to the arena super early, like on game day, I'm there like like super early. I go there before everybody gets there. Like I'm always getting in trouble with Dylan and the president um, for shooting around while the dancers are uh, rehearsing. <laughs> like I get there like super early and it's like, ah, it's their time. And I'm like, man, I'm trying try to get some work in. But um, yeah, I've always been that way. And I feel like if I don't do that, like mentally, I just feel off. Like I just, mm-hmm. if I didn't get extra shots up, I don't know if it's, if it's an extra, you know, self-confidence thing for me or if it's just preparation, but I just feel off. If I don't hit these certain assignments that I need to hit in my routine. Um, and then, yeah, you talked about it, but Tanner and Timothy, man, they were really instrumental in just implementing some new type of stuff that we had. And I had an experience before working. Like I've never lifted on game days before in my life. I've never lifted before a game, let alone after a game. So just being receptive to what they explain. And I love Tanner and Timothy because they're not the kind of guys that's like, like do this. And then that's it. They're the kind of guys that's like, we're doing this because, and, if, and then on top of that, if you don't like why I'm telling you why we're doing this, here's the data behind like players mm-hmm. that do it and the benefits behind doing it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was all in for the work before. It was so funny because we would play certain teams and I have friends on other teams in CBR and they'd be like, yo, you guys are crazy. Like, how are, why are you guys lifting after the game? Like why we look over, we're warming up, we see you guys lifting before the game. Who does that? And it's just like, there's certain things, the activations that, and it just becomes a part of your routine. So mm-hmm. for me now, like it's something that I still do to this day. And then, yeah, even when we lost, I, we have some teammates that were like, I'm not lifting. Like, you know, you're in a bad mood. We talked about it before with the taking the pictures or talking to a fan. It's like, I'm not lifting. We just lost. Like, no, nah, I still got to, I got to be great. I got to be great today. I got to be great tomorrow. I was great yesterday. If I want to be consistent. I got to continue to put the work in. If I, if I start being conditional where it's like, okay, I'm going to work this day because we won. I feel good. But then tomorrow we lost and now I don't want to lift after or get extra shots up. Then that's going to like affect the rest of, my mood and how I approach the game for the rest of my life. And I don't want that. I want to be able to still put in the same amount of work as if it was a good day or if it was a bad day. Cause that's mm-hmm. just how, that's just how life is. Your life's not going to be, you know, given to nothing's easy. And like, even when I work out with Kyle, like I have really good days where there might be some days where I'm not making a lot of shots in that rep. And the, the, the days of trusting your work of like, okay, even though we lost and I'm still lifting after that, or even though we lost, I'm still getting extra shots up. Are those type of days that help me push past those moments of like, Man, I'm supposed to make ten shots, and right now, I can't. I'm, I'm not getting to that point. I could easily give up. I could. I could easily like, you know, Kyle, let's go to the next drill. Let me get some water real quick. No, but like, nah, it's it's not supposed to be easy. I'm just having an off day. Why am I having an off day? Let me fix what I need to fix and and get through it and and get better. So, for me, I like getting the extra work in before and after because it keeps me on my toes. And then again, like I've always been a kid that's been told a lot of mantras growing up, but it's always like, yeah, if you're not working, someone else is not working. You know, so like. While I'm sleeping, there's someone else on a different time zone. While I'm in Ontario at midnight uh, sleeping, there's someone in BC, you know, at 9 p.m. getting some work in. There's this little Diego somewhere, like, working out. He's coming yeah. to get my spot, you know what I mean? Like, so, like, okay, I know it's midnight and I have gym access. Why not? What else am I doing? Watching movies. I did it all day. So, for me, the extra work is something that I never shy away from. But, I mean, obviously, you have to take care of your body and, and know what's right for you and yourself because I had some teammates who are opposite. I have some teammates that could just show up to the game like right before the game and still, you know, do well. But I'm just not that kind of person. So you have to like just know your game. Mm-hmm. You framed it that way. I, I, my sense is that like 
we got people that like basketball these days. I don't know how many ballers we have left. And then, you know, strictly, you know, just let's say from an NBA level, I'm mean, like the KDs and the LeBrons and these guys that like just are ballers that will do everything they possibly can diet, like whatever it is. Right. There's so many other distractions nowadays. Like I can get a contract doing this with clothing and da da da, which is great and all like you're getting your bag, whatever. But I just feel like we're kind of losing that a bit. Maybe I'm just the old head, but no, no, that's, that's a great mm. point. That's a great point. Yeah. I wish you were uh, on the phone me yesterday when I was watching <laughs> the Lakers play. I'm a big LeBron fan, and you don't understand how many times I just like cuss at the TV at KD, uh, AD. I'm like, bro, how are you? If I was playing with LeBron, I'm hiring the same nutritionist. I'm hiring the same team because there's no way he's 40 years old and outplaying you, bro. Like he's my age. And I'm, last I night he's tough. they climb back. I watched the game last night. I uh, cut the fourth quarter. They climb back, and he's freaking exhausted. Like he, he's, he's like hand, giving his all. Yeah, and then he has like a bad turnover. But it's like, yo, if, if AD could just take ten possessions off LeBron's plate for him, he'd be even like. It's just wild, man. It's it's yeah. wild. So you made a great point. Even I'm even D'Angelo, like, like D'Angelo. I'm like, yeah. what are you doing, man? <laughs> like you should be. What are you doing? I saw him in the tournament. We drove down to Portland. I saw him at Ohio State. I was like, yo, this guy's going to be it. And then I'm like, right. you're still the same. Like, how? Yeah. Like, how? Yeah. yeah. I don't get it. And then I look, and I, you just mentioned it, but like guys like KD, where it's like, how is he the one that's had the most gruesome injury out of like Devin Booker Dude. and Bradley Bill and the guys on the side? And he's played every game this season. Like, that to me is like what you said the difference between a, a, a baller and guys that are just playing basketball, man. Like, I respect KD so much for that, especially because I've experienced the same injury as him. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm looking at him and I'm like, bro, how is he ready every day? Like, I don't get it. And he's older. And what's here, like 17, 18 years now? Exactly. Like, come yeah, on, yeah. man. He's, like, he's getting up there. So it's just like, I don't know. To me, I, mm-hmm. I definitely agree with you on that aspect where it's like, of course, we could basketball has evolved in such a pace where, you know, you it could, you know, like SGA, man, fashion week. This guy's going to Met Gala. Who would have thought? Like, <laughs> five years ago when I was in the gym with Shay, I would never have thought, like, I must. Like you're gonna know the owner of Louis Vuitton or whoever. Like, but <laughs> this is it. But at the same time, I know Shay. He puts his work in. Yeah, he's a gym rat. You he's tell. a gym rat, and yeah. you can tell. Like, and 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 he doesn't let that other stuff deter him for what he has to do and what his main purpose is. And I feel like, yeah, you're right. Everyone forgets their main purpose. It's like we play basketball so we can do other things. Like, no, we need to just play basketball because we love it and we have passion and and our commitment for it. We want to respect the game, and I don't feel like a lot of people respect the game. To be honest. Still at church, man. We're still at church. Let's go. That's why I'm pausing. Let's go, man. We could go for hours. Let's do some fun questions. Yeah? Yeah, I know you're ready. All right. I'm going to mix them up on you, though. So I'm going to hit you with, uh, I mean, like you said, you know, built like a football player. You obviously take care of yourself. But when you have that weakness, what's the bag of chips you're going to? Whatever. Are you like an NFL guy? No, no, no. Wait. You're going to sit down and watch a movie, obviously. What are you grabbing? What do you got? My mom hates the fact that I eat and watch movies. To be honest, that's. But I can't. I can't. Like I don't like. Like it's been a long no, time. We all need our own downtime, yeah, man. Come on. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but for me, I'm not really a chips person. But if I had to eat chips, it'd be ketchup chips, because simply I'm Canadian. So what are you then? So what are you then? I'm more of like a. I'm like a cookies. Like I'm a cookie guy. Yeah. Like macadamia and a cookie. I would like. Oof. I'm I'm a I'm a the white, person. The white the white chocolate macadamia. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. It goes crazy. I'm a, like a cookie like <laughs> donut type of guy. Like I'm a like that's the kind of sweets I am. I don't really like like chips like that. But 
if I had to like sit down and watch a movie, like when I go to like the VIP movies and I get the popcorn, I always put like M&Ms in it. I like chocolate a lot. So I always like mix my, my popcorn up with some M&Ms. That probably be my guilty pleasure right there. You got to hit up Duffins. There's Duffin Donuts like 41st and Night Street. Duffin Donuts okay. legendary. Fried Duffin. chicken too. That's, that's the spot. It's like an OG. Bad. Yeah, yeah. Duffins. Yeah. Definitely going to hit then, that up. Okay. And then in uh, in, uh, in North Van there, uh, you want to hit up uh, Honey's Donuts. They're heavy though. Okay. They're heavy. Like you're you're paying a lot. They, they got the nice hike. You got the uh, hike there. I'll, I'll, I'll hit you with the spots, but, uh, I appreciate that unique, heavy donut, but, uh, yeah, everybody's got their own M and M's, huh? All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Peanut, peanut or yeah. straight up. Um, I've been doing the milk chocolate recently. I, I don't yeah. mind the peanut, but I'm more, he like said recently. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I go to the movies. Like I'm not, I'm not lying to you. I go to the movies yeah. like two or three times a week, like twice a week for sure. So I'm for definitely real? watching that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watch, I watch about the two... one across the highway. Uh, the one I've been going to the one by Zone Bowling. Man, what's that called? It's a VIP theater. It's uh, oh, in Burnaby. Wanna, yeah, it's either Burnaby or Quitman. One of the two. You got the pass? What do you have? Like, you paying full price every time? Unfortunately, I'm paying full price. But uh, movies are crazy. I, was, I know it's crazy. But when I was uh, when I was playing for my previous team in Sudbury, I, I actually worked at my contract to get some movie No, passes. you didn't. But I swear to God, so I swear I'm not lying. So I've been uh. I, even when I returned next season, I got uh, a plethora amount of uh, Imagine Cinema movie passes. And I like Imagine Cinema because it's like an old school cinema. It's like real small. And and like you said, like movies is like, first of all, it's, it's like antiquated nowadays. So like, even when I went to go watch uh, The Killer I'm the other day, I'm nobody was in there. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. So I'm, Fraser so Belly, Fraser Belly, uh, Vancouver Bandit's going to have to fold because Dwayne Notice got spent too much money. Movies. Too much money on movies. Yeah. I'm telling Unfortunately, you. Unfortunately, that'll be a tough press conference. <laughs> I took my son to the Marvels on the weekend. That was good. Yeah, I watched that this past weekend solid. too. Yeah, I liked it. It was solid. I, enjoyed it. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. understand all the criticism the guy. I liked it. All right. Um, now you've touched on a few people already, but if, if you've left anyone out, who've been some of the most important people in your life to this point? Or you can just echo okay. the same. I mean, bar none, I had to see my mother for sure. I think she's one of like the strongest people I know. And she's I had to navigate so many situations for my brother and I and just keep the household together. And um, just even her um, commitment to my passion of basketball, I feel like she just supported that um, like tenfold. And it's something that I just always want to constantly repay to her for, you know, dropping me to practices late night, early morning, you know, getting me the Vince Carter jerseys for Christmas or getting me 2k so i could play 2k video games or um taking me to games like all that like i just she's my rock for real so probably would say my mom um there's a lot of people in my life like i have a lot of close friends that you know play basketball that um i look to for advice um you know guys like kyle um obviously my father um uh, there's a lot of people there my brother is one of my most important people in my life as well um plays basketball at a high level too so there's a lot of people that i i'm, I'm the kind of guy that I try to like whoever i meet even yourself, like whoever I meet, I try to just like learn stuff about life. Like I just feel like I don't have it all figured out. So if I'm able to pick the brains of certain people or just take away something from conversations with people to help like change my perspective on, on on many things. And I don't have to agree with people, but I feel like when I get the outlook from other people's perspectives, then it helps just, um, you know, me learn more about this world and, and my space and what I'm doing. So yeah, I don't know. I, I would say I take a little bit from everybody I meet. But yeah, there's so many players that, 
like I, we mentioned, Corey Joseph, Tristan Thompson, you know, guys that I would look up to growing up that gave me great advice. Kevin Pangos, who was like instrumental in my career in life. He like this guy taught me how to stretch. Like this is somebody that when I would play Team Canada with him and we would go to Italy um, or we go to these places when I'm 13, 14 years old and I see him have like the the skipping rope and I see him have like a, a lacrosse ball. And this is back in the day before, you know, sports medicine is now as as known mm-hmm. as now. And I used to be, I used to look at him like, he's a weirdo. Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> are, you, are you doing all this stuff? And he would just, you know, put me on game. Like, yo, you, you want to play a long time? You got to do this. You, you, you mm-hmm. want to be a good basketball player? You got to be flexible. You got to go yoga. Like he, he really put me on the tune of so many things that I can never, you know, thank him enough for it. So there's just so many people, you know, Frank Martin gave me opportunity I'll never forget. So, there's a lot of guys I can name, probably, you know, missing out on some people, but there's a lot of people in this world that have affected my life and I'm very fortunate and appreciative of it. Love it, man. Growth mindset. I mean, I, I say once a week, I tell my wife at the dinner table, I'm like, you know, I'm 46 and I'm like, if I ever seem like I'm tapping out teaching wise, father wise, like challenge me, like, let me know, you know, I'm not a big right. reader, but if I'm not reading books or I'm not listening to podcasts that are going to make me you know, think differently or grow, let me know. Right. And I think that's a huge thing. I mean, you're in, and, and the fact that at your age, you're, you're tuning into that is huge, man. It's uh, I wish I knew that at that age, I was kind of just going about my, my thing and, you know, yeah. teaching and coaching and thought I knew it all. And I knew every X and O. And then I was like, damn, I don't know. Sh-. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. yeah, takes time. So, but you're ahead of your game. Um, All right. You're a podcaster. So one shout out the podcast two. Obviously, books or movies, we're going movies. So this is yeah, like, movies. I mean, we could go, we've been going like an hour and a bit here. So we could probably go another hour with you just talking about movies. But yeah, it's tough. if you can, hmm, you take this any way you want. You could go like all time or like what are some all time and some that you've seen recently? I don't care. Your vibe on movies is like crazy. Like I was watching today. I was like, what? These guys are on another level. Like they're really breaking it down. So yeah and also why um, why the affinity for movies where's that from uh so again like i was talking about my parents like they broke up before i was born type of thing so whatever i would get to go to my dad's house like on the weekends um yeah. he was working a whole bunch of jobs so like he would be tired you know i wouldn't you know if it wasn't going to a raptors game or obviously basketball practices and stuff then he would just cut on some movies and i would like that was like my first initial um i guess of us you know obviously we shared the love for basketball he loves basketball he played in high school a little bit but like movies was something that like I'll just never forget those moments, which is being at the house with me and him, just watching movies and even like for example, Matrix came on in '99. I'm so I'm five years old and we're watching The Matrix and it's just like, don't tell your mom about this. Like you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Scene, like don't tell your mom. Like <laughs> what he did there, don't do that in life. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. watching watching Blade and it's just like yeah, so yeah, don't do that. That's not good. <laughs> but like it was just so cool just for us to have that to bond with. And then um for me, man, it was just a lot of road trips, as you know, playing basketball, just especially AAU, we're driving to Rochester, New York, and we're driving here, there. And mm-hmm. it's like they put the movies on the bus. And I don't know. I just felt like I was just always watching movies. I played video games a bit, but I never like I was never a guy that like got a headset or was like in love with video games. You know, I just I just love movies because it just allowed me to escape my world. And it was like an expression for me because I was able to experience first person what it's like to live in a different head mm-hmm. mind space, whether it's the specific director, whether it's a specific character, whether it's an actor, an actress, like a story in itself that I can relate to or emulate or empathize with. 
So like, I always just like movies. It taught me a lot. Like you said, like I read and I read a lot actually, but my movies is where I really gain a lot of knowledge from, especially kind of a visual person. And I think it's just helped me a lot, whether it's watching game film, basketball, like coaches have always said I had an IQ and I respected that. And I think it's just because I'm able to break down film because I'm able to break down like cinema. And mm-hmm. um, I've had a lot of good friends in my life that like, I would just be talking to movies about them and they would just be like, okay, like, like what you said, like some people are annoyed where it's just like, it's like, we'll watch a certain movie and we'll all do the theater. And then I'm talking about, yeah, I can see how this character represents like socialism or represents like this type of tone. I can make the, the connection between that scene. And they're like, bro, it was just either a good movie or a bad movie. Like I yeah, didn't, yeah. I didn't, get, I didn't get the, poli- the politics behind it or like these themes that you're coming away with. So like, from there in high school, I started noticing and being in tune with like, okay, maybe I'm looking at this at a different level um, than certain people. And then, yeah, like I just, one of my best friends is also a basketball player. And, and when we play on the Raptors out of five together, that's where really people were like, all right, you guys are weird. Like you guys really know your stuff. Cause like people would be like, oh, like what, what's that one guy that movie? And I'm saying like, ah, like Clint Eastwood movie. It was actually 1970. And they're like, how do you know this, bro? Like, why are you? And I'm just like, bro, I just, I don't know. I just have a knack for this type of information. And I'm really into movies and, and people's discographies and filmography. And then, um, yeah, people just kind of urged us to like, yo, why don't you guys just make a podcast? And when I got hurt, I, I, I try to do like a take notice podcast where I interview some of my, you know, my WNBA and NBA friends and people in, in, in the industry. But I just kind of felt like, ah, it wasn't something I was passionate about. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I have a lot of friends in high places and I'm very fortunate for that. But like, these are conversations that I cherish over dinner or cherish when I'm hanging out with them. And for me to put it on camera, it just felt like kind of fake. Like, I'm just like, it just felt kind of fake. And it didn't feel like I, I respect mean, I felt that, like, man. Yeah, but I just feel like there's a lot of people that do a lot of podcasts. I'm like, okay, I follow certain guys. I want to see how I could be different. And, you know, two Jamaicans that play basketball at high level, you assume we're going to be talking about basketball. And then it's like, we don't. We talk about movies. And then we talk about it at, you know, a level that's beneath the the surface. And then we still make the the connection to to basketball. So I just feel like it was like a marriage made in heaven. And um, I love doing it. It's also like a form of therapy for me as well, because when I got hurt, like, I was told I wasn't going to play again. Like uh, I told, I was told that from two different doctors that like, you know, like this, this injury is crazy. I tore my Achilles and my calf and they're like, you're probably not going to come back from this. And then I partially tore it after eight months of good rehab. They're like, yeah, you're, you know, you're, if you want to be able to walk properly, like just do this. So basketball was out the question for me. So for me to be able to like talk about movies and talk about my best friend and, and all that kind of stuff, it, it really took my mind off of, the negativity that I was facing when it comes to dealing with my, my return to play. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just continued to brand it. And now it's been something that's been really cool. We've got a movie page on um, my Instagram and, and yeah, I love doing it now. And it's just, and again, also growing up too, I had a lot of friends that would be, they would come to me or my mom's friends or my dad's friends that would come to me back. We know Dwayne's seen this movie. So like I was becoming like an unofficial critic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I remember should, the one. Should I spend holiday, my $15? Yeah. <laughs> Literally, they'll be like, yo, should I watch the movie in theaters or wait until it comes out? And I, and I realized at 13, 14, 15, people were coming to me asking me. It's a lot of pressure, opinion. man. It was a lot of pressure. And I'll never forget, Aaron, yo, one time someone asked me and I didn't watch the movie. That was the day like my life was over. Because like I was like, I like, like they're like, oh, we know you've seen this already. And I was like, I actually haven't. And I just like the disappointment I felt in myself, like disappointing other people. I was like, from then, that's why like to this day, I watch every single movie. Never again. Never again. I watch animated <laughs> I watch bad movies. I can see Rotten Tomato and said it's a 2%. I want to see for myself. I want to make sure that I, because, you know, 
movies are subjective, man. Everybody has different opinions true. about movies. That's true. You know, so and then older new movies. I went to university. I took like a film class, and I'm like, what film noir, black movies, black and white movies, like silent films. I want to do my history, just like in basketball, right? Like a lot of players, I find this too. Like when I go to schools, and I talk about players in the '90s or earlier players that in the early 2000s, and they don't know them. And I'm like, bro, how could you play back? Like, I went to, yeah, I don't even talk about, I don't even put him on blast, but, but I, uh, there's one kid where I was like, how do you not know who this player is, but you want to play basketball at a high level? This doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. That's like mm-hmm. me being a, trying to be a musician and not knowing who Michael Jackson is or not knowing who like Prince or certain guys are. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's certain things that you just, like, if you're trying to get into this space, you have to respect the people that came before you and paved the way. So I do the same with movies. And like, so it's like, if I, if I stumble upon, like, for example, Denzel's my favorite actor. If I, if I stumble upon a Denzel film, I'm like, okay, cool. You know, Man on Fire, this is crazy. This is amazing. Oh, wait, he has 20 years of movies before that? Like, I'm going deep into the archive, and now I'm, like, rewatching them. And I'm going to rewatch them again when I'm older, because as you get older, you have different experiences in life that help change your, your like, I keep talking about perspective, but, like, like me watching Goodfellas, like now and me watching Goodfellas 15 years ago is a different, it's a different, you know what I'm saying? It's a different appreciation, a different interpretation of like what Scorsese was trying to get off and understanding of the characters and what it meant. Um, so like, yeah, I, I'll rewatch movies. I watch yeah. It's hard for me to pick. Like I can give you a 10. So what are you saying? Right Am I a comedian? I amuse you? Hey, I amuse you? Like, it's so funny. I love Joe Pesci, man. The yeah. craziest thing about that movie is he did that in Home Alone the same year, which is wild to me. Cause it's right. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's like he played a gangster over <laughs> there, played like a, a slapstick comedian and just getting beat up in another one. So it's just like cool to see his range. But yeah, I, I like I like a lot of like crime movies. So like Goodfellas, like Godfather 2 is like one of my favorite movies. Um, I love he He's probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Like he uh, with De Niro and Pacino. That was the first time that they were acting on screen together. And I just like Michael Mann. Um, I like a lot of comedies too. I like goofy comedies. Like I'm a big like Will Ferrell guy. Um, I like a lot of his movies, um, Vince Vaughn, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, then I'm, I like superhero stuff too. I'm big into comics. I read comics growing up. So I, I, Dark Knight is probably one of my favorite superhero movies of all time with Heath, Heath Ledger playing Joker and Christian Bale's, you know, rendition of Batman, big, big DC Marvel guy. But yeah, I like a lot of movies, man. Lost in Translation, um, uh, Good, uh, Goodwill Hunting is one of my favorite movies. I'm a big Matt Damon and Ben Affleck guy. So, I don't know. It's hard for me to like pinpoint like what my top five or top ten are because I feel like every year certain movies mean different things to me, and they mean more or less. So it, it's it's hard to kind of like when people are like, "What's your top 10? I'm like, they, they change so much. But like the ones that I just mentioned are probably like the hard um, favorites for me. Okay, man. Wow, there's layers here. There's a lot going on. <laughs> Um, do you have a favorite Denzel? Or are you not even going to go there? Can't do it. No, I could do it. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, tough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's tough. That's tough. That's tough. I, I mean, Just I top of your head. What are, what are a couple? A couple. I mean, I already mentioned Man on Fire. I think a yeah. very underrated one for him is um, Out of Time. Um, I also like you know John Q. Uh, I'm a big uh what else do i like i like uh the um uh, untouchables i'm i thinking untouchables uh the movie with him and chris pine where he's on the train unstoppable i yeah. like that movie a lot um 
I just like him. He's so charismatic, man. He's he doesn't really have a lot of misses for me. I obviously like him an equalizer. It's I think true. it's so cool. He's unreal. He's able to, he's able to like change. That's one thing I love about movies too. Is the, like for me, I like Denzel and De Niro. I like some of my favorite among my favorite actors, and just witnessing their progression of like so okay, talented. Denzel, right? Seeing him and like he got game, and then seeing him in equalizers, like two different characters, seeing him age. Um, it's like I know them. It's so weird. It's like I know De Niro. Like seeing De Niro on Mean Streets, like seeing De Niro in Killers of the Flower Moon, it's like, wow. I feel like I know this guy. He's like my uncle. I've seen so many movies of him throughout the last 30, 40 years. Um, but yeah, Denzel's my, definitely my favorite actor. Love it, man. I'm like Usual Suspects, Major League, Dumb and Dumber. Uh... Ooh, Major League. James yeah, Carey is amazing. Dumb and Dumber. I love uh, Shaw- Dumb and Dumber. Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank's incredible. Uh, Remember the Titans is an old, I don't know. I love that for some reason. American, oh, History, American History X. American History X. Edward, Edward Norton. That's my guy. Mm, yeah, that was Ed Norton's so good. He's really good. I love, right, I love, I that love it. Yeah. Okay, before we move on to the next question, just for the listeners, some, what's something in theaters right now that you're like, man, go see it? That like you like? Profit. That's an easy one. I just watched The Killer with uh, David Fincher. And the reason why I think you should see it in theaters, even though it's available on Netflix, is because the cinematography, the score, and then also just the way the storytelling was was kind of showed. It was like very crisp. It was paced really well. And it was very intricate and detailed. But I feel like if you're at the crib at home watching it, there's too many things going on. If you have kids, if you have a significant other, you know, smoke alarm. I don't know, bro. Like anything, any car alarm. There's too many distractions, man. You know, dogs. Like if you watch it in theater and you really can lock in, you can really appreciate the performances, the delivery, the undertones, the themes, um, the the satirical, the satirical nature, because I thought it was kind of funny. So The Killer is something that I think people should watch, especially because he hasn't had a public release since like, I think since A Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, I think, or Gone Girl was like his last like movie that he released to the public so yeah i would say the killer for sure this man is about his business and i i've only done it a few <laughs> times but i will say too the the matinee solo is a low-key underrated experience what is it, it I, i'm a type of guy i go at 10 i go 11 a.m i yeah. go before practice i go yeah I, I end game like when those avengers came out i was going 11 a.m by myself especially the movies that you know, they're going to be packed. It's cool to be around people, especially prior to COVID, where mm-hmm. you can have that reaction to everybody laughing and everybody. But yeah, now I like to kind of be in my own world watching a movie. Like, I ain't even, I don't even go on movie dates. Like, I don't, I, it'll be hard pressure for me to take a girl to a movie because as soon as she starts talking and asking me, who's this and why is he doing this? I'm upset. It's I'm over. frustrated. It's over, yay. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm trying to focus. You, you talking, you know, you checking your phone. <laughs> Or if there's a certain scene where, like, I know it's, like, smartly written, like, the screenplay, and it's, like, someone, and it's, like, a comedic scene, and they're not laughing, I'm like, well, we will never work out. You didn't just laugh at Jim Carrey doing the scene, and Dumb and Dumber, like, 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 I don't know what to tell you. So, yeah, I like to go to movies by myself for my peace, um, but also just, yeah, for my, yeah, for my mental, for my peace. Well, Cineplex or Silver City, if you're looking for a sponsorship, uh, Vancouver Bandits are the hit. So, yeah, yeah. Make Definitely. sure you take care of that. All right, let's flip it quick. How do you feel about ketchup on uh, macaroni, my man? I love it. I love it. Listen, I'm weird. I like uh, I like, uh, I like jam on eggs. I like ketchup on eggs. I like ketchup on a lot of things. I put jam, on on, jam on eggs? Yeah, I have a sweet tooth. So that's, I put jam on eggs. Um, 
Yeah, it's actually good. You put it with some cheese. So you're going to force the protein in. You might as well add some jam kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you might as well. You might as well. I don't know. I like it. But yeah, I don't have an issue with ketchup uh, macaroni. That's, that's a given. I've been doing that since I was a kid. Ketchup. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not even weird for me. <laughs> that's, that's like a regular Light work. Light work. Okay. Yeah. All right. He just brushed that one off. He's like, what are you even talking about? Uh, all right, it's you, man. It's you, four players, but you're on like uh, you're on the blacktop. So it's like call your own. Maybe it's out. Maybe it's a little windy. I don't know if you made it down to Kitts Beach yet, right off the beach. You got the air, the breeze coming yeah. off. You know, twos yeah. and ones or threes and twos. Who are the four dudes you're rolling with? I mean, this is always a tough one. You play with a lot of dudes, man. And But you can also take this your way. Like you could go all time like your favorites or guys you play with doesn't matter to me it's your episode so what do you got oh that's a good question man that's a good question um who would i want to play with i mean i would probably of all time i feel like that's a tough question uh, that's a really good question. I mean, I'm a big LeBron guy, so I would love to play with LeBron, especially because of the stories I keep hearing about how um, detailed he is and how he um, well versed he is with the other team's offense and knowing he's like out here calling action before it happens. So I would love to be on a team with someone that's like that cerebral and, and so much of a savant that they're like telling me, yo, watch out for this, watch out for that. Because that's how I am on the defensive end. Offense, a little bit, a little bit, not not there, but def- like if I know a play well enough, I'll call out the action. So I just want to be around someone like minded like that that just communicates at a high level. Um, and then yeah, he's one of my favorite players, so probably LeBron for sure. Um, big Vince Carter guy, so I'll throw Vince in there because you need someone you can throw the ball up to. And I feel like he would catch every bad lob I would throw. <laughs> <laughs> like no passes is too high for him to catch. Um, I would probably put my brother Marcus Carr in there because I've I've never really we've got a five year difference. He just graduated. From, or he just played at University of Texas. He's playing yeah. overseas now, but he I'm which we're trying I'm trying to excuse me I'm trying to positively manifest him to play for the Badness this year. But um, we've never played together at like a high level, mm-hmm. so I would definitely do that because um, it would be cool to kind of play with with a sibling. I've always been envious of people that have gotten the opportunity to do that. Um. What was that? Three? Need one. Well, it's you and three. You need one more. Yeah. One more. One more. One more. One more. Um, I feel like I feel like I need a. I I would want to play with like a Shaq. Mm -hmm. I'd want to play with a Shaq. I would want to see what it's like to get screens from Shaq. Like I'd probably be so open off the ball screen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like he probably clear house every time and I'd be so open for to do whatever I wanted. Um and then yeah, just I I I, I again don't get me wrong, I don't want to sound like an old hater. I love no. the uh, the evolution of basketball, but I I I miss when seven footers wanted to dunk and dominate and be in the paint. Don't get me wrong, you know, the Porzingis, these guys that could shoot the three and stress like the Carl Anthony Towns, of course, talented, cool, all that respected. But mm-hmm. As a guy who barely dunks anymore and is not the tallest, um, that's six two, six three. Like back then, I was like pretty tall for basketball. Yep. But now you have point guards who are like six seven, six eight. 
So if I was seven feet, I would be trying to dunk everything. So I, I want to play with a guy like Shaq who has that same mentality where it's like, okay, cool. You guys want to shoot threes? No, I want to just, just back to the basket. I'm finishing everything with a two-hand dunk and I'm trying to tear the rim off every single time. So it'd probably be Shaq. Dope. Prime Shaq was, wow. Probably, Forget it. Yeah. Forget about it. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, dead or alive, doesn't matter. You got the best seat in the house. What concert are we going to? If you got more than one, let us know. All time. All time. I mean, this is this is easy. I would definitely go to a Michael Jackson concert because I've I've seen so many. I mean, Michael Jackson was such a big like musical act in my house. All the records. We're like twelve, fifteen, maybe even twenty people now. Yeah, man. Like just like when you I think know, about right? a show, like the full spectrum, like yeah, the music, the show, like the dancing, like everything. Yeah. And it's it's crazy to me because there's so many people that I feel like how life works is like it's what have you done for me lately? And then after a while, when history you know drowns out, because I see all this stuff like where you know Drake, who I love by the way, mm-hmm. um, I guess he he either surpassed Mike or tied him for the most number one, whatever, whatever. And it's just like people trying to compare. Then I'm like, bro, it's not the same. Like no. I watch videos of Michael, I see people passing out left, right, and center. I see Michael standing on stage for 10 minutes and not even like saying a word. And people are like losing their mind, sweating, screaming, crying. Like that is a level of, of magic and, and stuff that I want to be a part of and see firsthand. And mm-hmm. especially because, you know, as he got older and he transitioned to different phases of his life, like I, and I was a little bit older, I didn't get to say Michael. I feel like the Michael that my generation got was like the parody Michael of like, you know, making sure. fun of him. Yeah, you know, like just changing the skin tone and the high voice and like becoming the like, I guess, the character of who he was. But mm-hmm. if I if I could attend a concert like and when he was at his prime, oh, my goodness, that is definitely somebody even Prince, too, because he plays like a whole bunch of instruments. So, like, you know, nowadays you just and I have friends who make music at a high level, too. So I respect it. And it's like anything in life where the technology is better. So you can just make music now and become a one hit wonder and be popular tomorrow or have a social following. But I have so much of an affinity and respect for guys like Michael and, and Prince back then who was like, you know, it wasn't, you could just wake up tomorrow and be a musician. Like you had to train your whole life and be a performer. And like, you had to be able to sing, but also dance, but also play instruments and like hit different elements of, mm-hmm. you know, being an artist. So I would probably say either Prince or Michael um, for sure. I've never been to a Sade concert and I'm a big Sade <laughs> fan. I listen to Sade before games. No, yeah, you Sade don't. My, I swear to God, I listen to Sade before games. Um, so I, I I I periodically look check uh, once a year what her wedding fee is because if I get married in the future I want to see if I, how much I have to save to see if I can hire her. <laughs> um, yeah, that's how much I love her. So that would probably be my three right there: Michael, uh, Prince, and then Sade for sure. I've I've seen Fifty recently, loved it. I'm a big Little Wayne guy. I've been to like five Little Wayne okay. concerts, so love oh, it. Yeah. Been yeah. seen Drake, so love it. So yeah, I would have to go with those guys. Oh. Hey, you know what? Just for my mom, because I know she's going to listen to this, and, and, and my grandma. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw in Bob Marley, too, because Bob Marley, I heard, was... was uh, Not heard. I mean, my family always tells me about like how much of an impact he's had. So probably going to his show, too. He had an amazing voice, and just his reach of positivity that he had to the people. is something that I would love to feel, especially in a time now where I feel like the world just needs a lot of positivity. We've just been dealing with a lot of I was just going to say, yeah. His lyrics yeah, so, today, man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's probably my pick right there. Love it, man. I agree to the full show. Like, like I know Lauren Hill, I had zero expectation because like she's going to be late, blah, blah. 
But I, yeah, I knew. Why, does she right? explain why she's always late? Like why? She, why is she always late? I have no <laughs> idea. She didn't. But they did. They had the Fujis after her, which I was like, that's a good call because at least it forces her to get on stage, right? But right. yo, know, she she had a full orchestra. See, like right. like thirteen people playing instruments. I was like, live this is instruments. That's unbelievable. Like the biggest freaking tuba you've ever seen. I'm like, this is wild like the rehearsal for this is not normal right yeah, like same yeah. with the roots like with live i'm just yeah anyways okay good stuff love it yeah. love it <laughs> shout out to bob marley too um Back. last question man this has been amazing um who would you like to see on a hoops journey but you got to help us get them on like who's got a good story out there who's a homie or someone out there that you think uh would be fun to chop it up with oh that's a great one I mean, I'd love to see my brother Marcus Khan here for sure. Yeah. But I don't know if you've done Diego yet. Yep. Oh, you done? Okay, okay. I love his story. I learned Unreal. so much about him. Unreal. Yep. Um, let me see who else. Um, I want to. I want to. I want to see Nick on here. I want to see my man Nick Ward. My man Big Nick. Big Nick. Nick. Let's yeah. go. My my son, I'm gonna say that pup. My son, <laughs> I want to see my guy on here. That's my. Did my you just ruin? Friends. Did you just ruin the invite by calling him your son? Did you just ruin? <laughs> nah, 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 okay. nah, 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 nah. He gonna he gonna he gonna have to respect what what his pop says. <laughs> he gonna come out here and say uh, he gonna come out and say I only have one daddy. The name is Richard Nigga Ward. Yeah, definitely. I definitely want to see him um, on here. I think he has an incredible story. He's such a great guy. And especially for the badness community in Vancouver and everybody, like, so I feel like they don't know the real Nick. Like, they see this like menacing yeah, yeah. guy every game. He's getting into it with the rest or another teammate, and he's dunking and he's ah. But he's like one of the nicest like people. Like, just a sweet guy. Like, so cool, smart, funny. Um, so it'd be cool to see him. See you get him. And, I, and that's something that I can make happen for sure. Because, like I said, that's my son. I got was taught him. Tell him, listen, I need you to do this for me. No. <laughs> I love yeah. it, man. I think he'd be great too. And I think it's funny that you talk about him at the end of this episode. You talk about a big mentor in your life and Coach Martin, sort of that outside perspective where people, and that's the power of podcasts, like you know, man, is like until you let people share their story like yourself and let people know kind of what the ins and outs and in-betweens are, you don't really know. Mm -hmm. It's all surface level, right? So we thank you for being with us, man, and appreciate and respect you and, and wish you nothing but the best. Thanks for you know, everything you're doing in our little community out here and, you know, hanging around with Kyle and going to schools or whatever you're doing, um, very positive and great. And it's awesome that we have a pro uh, community for people to look up to. And um, any last thoughts, reflections before we let you go? And uh, you know what? Enjoy your time off. I know you'll be ready and continued success, man. All the best. Yeah. No, thank you, man. I appreciate it. I had a great time. Like, I don't even want this to stop. This has been amazing. <laughs> I've been on a lot of podcasts. I've done a lot of interviews, especially recently, but this one was really fun, um, informative, and it was it was real cool just to just to talk about you know the journey and everything. But I'm having a great time in Vancouver. So everybody, if you guys are listening out there, I'm gonna be around hitting up different schools. And I love what, like you said, what Kyle, Coach Kyle is doing and what the Bandits are doing because it starts with the kids first. So being able to get into these communities, in the communities, and just you know talk to these kids and show them that you know, it's, it's obtainable. It's, 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 it's possible to get to where we are and even, you know, take it further than where we've taken it. Um, I think that's imperative to, to have those opportunities because growing up, I didn't really have too much of those, but it would have been cool to have a, a professional athlete, 
um, come to a practice and show us how they train or show us what they go through or just answer any type of questions that we have in the way. So I'm just having a great time being out here in Vancouver. Hopefully I can make it a home for a, a long period of time. Um, and I'm excited for the next season, man. I feel like, um, you know I mean? Like I said, I hate losing when I love to win. Mm-hmm. I just feel like there's a lot of unfinished business um, that we left on the table in terms of the CBO. So I'm just itching and very, very excited and anticipating the next season and hopefully, you know, doing you know the best that we can so we can try and bring a championship here to Vancouver. So I'm excited about that. And then, yeah, I appreciate you again, man, for letting me get these thoughts off. And then everybody, man, follow scene DMs, subscribe on Twitter, you know, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and we're on YouTube. So yeah, scene DMs, man, it's a movie podcast. It's something I do in my spare time. But again, man, I had a great time. I appreciate it, Aaron. This was, this was amazing. No worries, man. I appreciate it too. And yeah, I hear you, man. And it's good. Like other adventures and little things you're doing on the side are super dope. You're a well-rounded human being. You're very thoughtful, well-spoken. Um, and, and thank you for all you're doing. Like I said, um, hit him in the DMs for movie recommendations, workout ideas, whatever it is. Yeah. And, uh, continue to success, brother. I'll be out to a few games. Everybody out there, Vancouver Bandits season tickets are on sale right now. Get get them in while the while the going's good, and um, continue to support the pro game in our in our communities. And uh, much love and respect to you, man. Appreciate you. Thank you, man. Much love and respect back to you. No worries. Episode one twenty two. Thank you to our sponsors, and we will see you on the next one. <laughs>